Good morning, and welcome to another exciting episode of the post-game phase of Riddles in the Dark, brought to you by the Mythgard Institute. I'm your co-host, Dave Kale, and I am really excited to uh, introduce this episode where we uh, talk about lots and lots of uh, content that actually has come out related to both the Hobbit films, uh, the very final one, The Battle of the Five the Armies, along with maybe some other stuff if we have time, Shadow of Mordor. We'll see. But um, rather than dawdle around, we should get started because we have lots to get through, right, guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. let me introduce my wonderful uh, and talented and brilliant co host, <laughs> the Tolkien professor, Corey Olson, and Trish Lambert. Good morning. So, yeah, this is, this is the time of the show normally where we complain about how little material they've released. Uh, uh-huh. So I think uh, we should still do that. There's still, actually, I'm still kind of surprised at how little there is. Uh, yeah. One thing, of course, that has happened um, is uh, the release of the extended edition of uh, uh, of uh, uh, the Desolation of Smaug. But we're not going to talk about that this morning because we have a whole special show set up, set aside to talk about that's right. uh, to talk about that. So in case you're wondering if that's one of the things we're going to be talking about this morning because it just came out, no, 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 no. No, we want to do that justice. We don't want to squeeze that in amidst a whole bunch of other things. So, so we're going to be that's doing right. that soon, but not quite yet. Um, and we'll give you some more detail. Well, okay, all right. I'll mention it at the beginning because there's no reason I should mention it at the beginning and the end. Um, we're going to be doing about a two-hour segment uh, going through all of the extended material. So we're going to we're going to sort of watch it together and uh, uh, and discuss our way through all of the bonus material of the extended edition um, in a special special episode that we're doing this coming Saturday, a week from tomorrow. Uh, November 8th. This is part of the Mythgard Webathon that we're holding at the end of our fundraising campaign for the Mythgard Academy. Um, and so the the time for this segment will be between, uh, what is it, 8 and 10 p.m. Eastern time? Trish, is that right? Right. Yeah, it, we're scheduled to go on at 8 and, and, and scheduled to end... <laughs> At 10. <laughs> it's 8 and 10 p.m. Eastern Time uh, on November 8th is uh, is when we're going to be doing that. Um, and that uh, that 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 should be a lot of fun. I'm really, really looking forward to doing that. So we'll we'll um, yeah, be really fun. Yeah. Uh, we will. Uh, so, and I just posted, yeah. by the way, I just posted in the chat area the uh, URL to get to the registration link. It's on our donate page on MythCard. Okay, right. And right, right at the top, you'll see a link to register on the NetMood for a seat. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that will, we look forward to how you know it's a it's a it's a very different day and time, but we hope it's a. Uh, uh, and I know it's a time that's not exceptionally convenient for Europeans. I'm sorry yeah, about that. Um, yeah. That's always a struggle that we but have. At fi- but at 5 p.m. Eastern, at 5 p.m. Eastern, if you're interested, people in Europe and, and want to actually stay up for this, Corey is going to be grilled as a new Doctor Who fan. <laughs> that's right. Curtis Wayne and Cat Sass. So that should be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to uh, have my first uh, uh, my first official Doctor Who discussion. Corey steps out of the Tolkien zone. That's right. That's right. As a and uh, you know, as you say, Trish, as a complete newbie, um, you know, wow. appearing appearing not and who's already stirring up controversy. <laughs> I mean, come on, <sighs> Christopher Eccleston. But anyway, anyway, so yeah, we'll we'll. <clears throat> That'll that'll be fun. So yeah, that's going to be our first segment uh, on the webathon there. So anyhow, so yeah, so that's coming up. We'll 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 
talk a little bit more. There's going to be more stuff. You know, the the webathon is going to be five hours long, so there are going to be several other segments which we'll talk about um, when we get uh, when we get to the end of the show. But I uh, just wanted to uh, to because I know you guys are probably going to be wondering if we're going to talk about the extended edition. So. Um, you know, we're, we, uh, we definitely are, but not, but not today. So just wanted to make sure everybody knew that. Oh, and by the so way, gives folks a chance to watch it yeah, end. yeah, exactly. Happy Halloween, everybody. You know, it's actually Halloween when we're broadcasting here today. That's kind of, that's kind of, we, 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 we don't that's usually right. broadcast on, on, on holidays. So this is, this is a bit unusual. Um, you know that my, 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 Children have like totally entered the digital age officially with their costumes this year. My older, my oh. younger son is dressed as Pikachu this year, and my <laughs> and my older son uh, is dressed as a creeper from Minecraft. So there you go. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. In fact, my older son also carved uh, his uh, carved his pumpkin in a creeper face from from Minecraft as well, which actually came out really well. So, um, so yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, that's the direction my children have gone this year. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, let's. Yeah. I feel old. I feel so old. <laughs> I know. That those are costumes. <laughs> I remember, Pikachu, I, remember. I can barely make, you know, but that's about where I stop. <laughs> yeah, see, like when our when our when my children were smaller, you know, we were able to influence them, you know, and so we, my my wife and I were able to dress them in like you know, classic, cool looking costumes, you know, like. Uh, uh, you know, we you know we had like a, a cool dragon costume and and uh, uh, you know this really cool like uh, you know Roman centurion costume which was pretty awesome and like a classic knight costume and all that kind of thing, but uh, but you know now that they are like able to make up their own minds you know straight to video games, that's the beginning of the end. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's yeah. right. So now, do you dress up? Do you take them out trick or treating? Um, usually no. Uh, in fact, (laughs) traditionally, uh, the division of labor has always, in fact, I've, I've never taken my children, uh, trick or treating. Um, I'm always manning the house. Uh, yeah, I'm, I I am the hander out can of candy at the door. Um, though actually since we moved to New Hampshire, that, uh, that's kind of become obsolete because our house is kind of remote and nobody comes to our house anymore. But when I lived in Delaware, we were in a a neighborhood where people would drive to from miles away in order to go house to house in our neighborhood. So I always had a, a very steady trade, um, at the door. So, yeah, no, that, that, that was always my job. So I never, I never, uh, I never dressed up, but it did, uh, it kind of enable me to sort of stay in touch with, uh, recent trends in Halloween costumes. Um, <laughs> Many of which I, I I found somewhat alarming, but that's I can okay. see in Delaware people say, "So what are you dressed as?" And Corey would say, "I'm dressed as a professor." <laughs> and now Corey would say, "I'm dressed as a university president." <laughs> so, yeah, actually, really, no, I could. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a costume I really dislike wearing. Don't want to wear. Yeah, exactly. Hey, speaking of which, listen, we're speaking of Halloween, and I wanted to let folks know that we posted a replay. It's up on the MythGuard site. It's kind of buried in iTunes as well. Uh, November fourth of two thousand eleven. If you if you search on the date, but if you if you go th- to the MythGuard site, there's a post um, 
that is a replay of the Middle Earth News episode that Dave and Laura and Corey and George Naylor did on Tolkien and Halloween, talking mm-hmm. about the spooky pieces of Tolkien's work. And it's 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 as it's as good today as it was then. So yeah, that's a good one. Yeah that, yeah, that was a fun the, one. It's the Grave Dude the, episode. Yeah, it's the Grave Dude <laughs> episode. Yeah, when we were talking about how Barrow White translates essentially to Grave Dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, I always think of that as the Grave Dude episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. So, no, we're going um, uh, yeah, to... And Laura's listening today, by the way. Laura's listening today, by the way. Oh, cool. Cool. So shout out to Laura. Yeah, yeah hey Laura. Um, so I was gonna, um, I was gonna link to that episode also on my talking professor social media feeds later on today, so people. Oh, and our fun. and our Facebook manager Kristen Hauk has told me that she posted the link on the Mythgard and Signum Facebook pages. As oh, cool. Well. So those would be really good. Excellent, excellent. Thanks, Kristen. I'm tweeting it out to my dozens of Twitter followers. <laughs> dozens of Twitter followers. My t- my two's Twitter followers. That's me. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we're we are still live, aren't we? Yeah. This is content. Actually the dark content. Maybe we've we got. Go we've on so got. This. Can you tell that we still feel a little starved for content? Um, <laughs> I, I was really kind of hoping we'd get a trailer. I guess we're going to get a trailer before our next episode, so we'll have yeah, that. There haven't even been that many images released. Um, uh, of course, the uh, the uh, the net released images like a series of twenty seven images from the Visual Companion, but we're forced to take them all down. So um, uh, they're not there, which isn't a huge loss in my opinion because there just wasn't a whole lot there. I mean, I think there's more in this article we're going to talk about, but but I should actually start with the thing I I dug up right. That, that, that impacts the riddle game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. This is from, I, I don't remember the actual magazine, but it was an interview with um, Jed Brophy. And this is a while ago. I've had this actually in the notes for a while. Um, a long interview. They kind of go a, a, you know, through a, different, a couple different things. But the question kind of was around, so what does Nori do in the Battle of Five Armies? And he makes a joke response, but there's a little nugget hidden in it. He goes, well, Nori basically saves the day. I think he saves Gandalf, and he definitely saves Bilbo. He has a romance with Keeley, kills Tariel, and has a romance with Keeley. Then he and Feely have a big fight, and he accidentally kills Feely. Then Thorne comes around the corner, and he accidentally kills Thorne. So, ha, ha, ha. But what I get from that is it's possible that Feely and Keeley are both going to kill, be killed in the Battle of Five Armies. Possible, but unlikely. I mean... <laughs> We're not giving up, are we? No. No. I answered the same way you did, so... No, not at all. Not so, that, Dave, yeah. what do you think of Feely and Keeley, Dave? <laughs> Excellent segue. Excellent segue. Good, good so, so um, uh, uh, what Trish is referring to is, uh, uh, last week, probably a lot of our listeners might have seen, um, that there's... Uh, I wonder how yeah. many people are going to listen to this in a couple days, hear this, and be like, oh, that's a, and then go over to the wondering.net and be disappointed. Um, or they'll go back to your Facebook yeah. posts on your on your stream. Oh, that's true. No one's asked me to take... Oh, dang, that, yeah, I directly linked to there, so that's down, too. Oh, no, Bummer. Um, so, uh, a week ago, the so the visual companion for um, the Battle of 
the Battle of the Five the Armies the, came out. Um, and uh, the Wondering.net, I, I don't understand how they continue to be in the good graces of Peter Jackson because they do this stuff over and over again. Every time a book like that comes out, the Visual Companion, or or like a new Empire magazine, um, ser you know, article or whatever, they scan the whole freaking thing and post it on their website. Um, and in this case, they scanned a, all, a lot of photos, like up to like almost 40 photos. Uh, and they were actually pretty boring, um, not that interesting. It's like, oh, look, here's Hugo Weaving as Elrond. Okay, great. Um, here's Bilbo. Yeah, we've seen him before. But one thing that I thought was very interesting is some of the photos had captions on them. And the ones for the one for Feely referenced him feeling a responsibility, uh, at sort of a weight of responsibility, because he was the older son. And I was like, uh, my, my response was, was shock. I was, I, I've been operating under the assumption this whole time that Keeley was the older one. Um, and just as a Sandy check, I went and, and you know, uh, double-checked The Hobbit, and yes, Thorin does, in the, in the Hobbit, Thorin says Keeley's the older one. But then I dug a little more, and it turns out uh, that in the Lord of the Rings, uh, in the Return of the King Appendix A, where Tolkien's giving various chronologies and stuff, he actually lists Feely's birthday as five years um, before Keeley. So yep. it sounds like he was doing some revision and just kind of didn't make the, the didn't change that statement from Thorne, perhaps. If we assume that the the later um, scholarship, the the chronology in Return of the King, is was his true intention. But uh, but it sounds like but I guess you know there's controversy. We don't know which one Tolkien meant to be older. The films are going with um, Feely being older. But I was kind of I was wondering, Corey, whether you could uh, explicate on this further. And well, I mean, there are two things in general that I'd say about it. The first is that the reference to Feely being uh, being the youngest. Um, the context of that, that that happens, you may remember, you know, people may remember this from The Hobbit. It's when they're about to cross the river and uh, um, they're they're trying to figure out who's going to throw the, the grappling hook across the river in order to, to, to try to, to get the boat. And Thorin says, Dory is the strongest, but Feely is the youngest and still has the best sight. Um, so we're going to let him throw it. That's the reference to Feely being younger. Yeah. I, I think that's the only reference to re the relative age of Feely and Keeley is that one comment that Thorin drops. Um, and then, yeah, put against that is the very clear... Um, uh, it's it's in the, you know, on the very last page of Appendix A, the, the family tree um, of the House of Durin. Um, and the birth and death dates of Feely and Keeley are both there. And as you say, Feely is very clearly five years older in that. Um, and that's, I don't know why Tolkien did that. I mean, one possibility, and this is always something that, uh, you know, that many... Many Tolkien fans, you know, who of course love and respect Tolkien, are, are usually very slow to uh, suggest this option. But it really seems quite likely that Tolkien simply forgot that uh, passage. There's plenty of evidence of him doing that kind of thing before. Um, in fact, to, to give an illustration, um, uh, forgetting which is all supposed to be younger or older between Feely and Keeley is nothing compared to the fact that Tolkien himself seems to be, I mean, the manuscript evidence suggests that Tolkien himself was actually confused about who was Thorin's father, whether it was Thrain or Thror. Um, he switched those like it was, you know, Thorin, son of Thrain, son of Thror, or whether it was Thorin, son of Thror, son of Thrain. Um, and in fact, uh, it's... Um, 
the the way that this comes out, um, and I'm 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 relying here on the analysis done by John Ratliff in the History of the Hobbit, um, where he mm-hmm. he he sort of explains the manuscript evidence for this in 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 great detail. But basically, Tolkien was inconsistent. Like when he was writing the manuscript, sometimes he said it one way, and sometimes he said it, and he you know mostly he said son of Thran, son of Thror. But once he said, um, son of, Th- uh, son of Thor, son of Thran, um, and he ended up like when he was going through, like, you know, he had mostly decided that it was going to be, that Thran was going to be the dad and Thor was going to be the grandfather. And then he switched the, he went to this one place, he was revising the manuscript and he got to this one place in the narrative where he had said it, um, where he had said, son of Thor, son of Thran. And then went d- decided either made the active decision. No, actually, I like that better. I want Thor to be the father and Thran to be the grandfather. Or he just forgot and l- looked at this and said, "Oh man, I was wrong the other times." So instead, he goes back and like changes all the other correct ones to fit the 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 the, the one odd <laughs> thing. So he goes and like changes everything else. And in fact, this is why. Many people have been confused. I remember being confused when I was younger about why uh, the why the the Lonely Mountain, you know, Erebor is called the the Kingdom of Thran. Like why the Arkenstone is called the Arkenstone of Thran. I'm like, wasn't it? Th- the, shouldn't it be the Arkenstone of Thror? I mean, like he was the last one to have it, right? Why is Thran singled out? Um, as being the 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 dude of the Arkenstone, right? Why is his name attached to the Arkenstone? Didn't make any sense to me at all. I'm like, did he did he ever even own it? Uh, you know, I mean, his dad was still alive when when they lost Erebor and the Arkenstone, presumably. So why on earth is it called the Arkenstone of Thran? Um, well, the, again, the reason that it was originally called the Arkenstone of Thran was when Tolkien had reversed the the thing. So it was. It was the Arkenstone of Thorin's grandfather, except at that particular moment, the Arken the Thorin's grandfather was Thran, and his father was Thor. And then Tolkien goes and changes it all back later on, but he leaves the reference to the Arkenstone of Thran. He doesn't change that one. He leaves the Arkenstone of Thran in place. And so then another time, he's going back to revise again, and he's like, "Oh crap! I still have it as the Arkenstone of Thran." So what does he do? So instead, he 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 does this brilliantly like typically Tolkien piece of retcon into it. Instead of saying, no, I'm just going to change it. He's like, no, 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 no. There's a story that explains this, this apparent error, right? So, you know, it's called the Arkenstone of Thran, not because it was <clears throat> mistakenly named after Thorin's father instead of his grandfather, but rather because there was an elder Thran further up the line. That, you know, so of course the story, which is now in place and, and sort of formalized in Appendix A, is that you know Thran the first is the is the the dwarf who established Erebor and found the Arkenstone and therefore it's named after him, um, but again that's that's just Tolkien retconning a mistake that he made and trying to keep straight who was Thorin's father and who was Thorin's grandfather. So my point is that like this kind of confusion is not totally atypical. I mean, and it's mostly because Tolkien was always sort of tweaking the the you know the the names and um, I mean of course as many people know he wrote half of the book before Thorin was even called Thorin. He was originally Gandalf and the wizard was originally Bloodorthin and then he changed their names around. Um, so 
uh, though, of course, careful readers of the book will, will remember that the name Bladorthin is still there um, when uh, uh, the narrator is listing the treasures that are there in the in the horde of Thror. Um, there, it lists specifically a set of uh, weapons that had been made for old King Bladorthin uh, back in, in 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 the old days. Um, but that name, of course, was originally Gandalf's name. Um, so. Uh, anyway, it's, 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 uh, it's really, um, complicated. (laughs) Like when you try to unravel the whole thing, uh, it's really, it's really complicated. But anyway, my point is that one reference to the fact that Fuey was the youngest, I find, you know, nothing seems to me easier to believe than that when Tolkien came to Appendix A, he was not consciously revising the story, but rather had just forgotten that Fuey was, was originally listed, you know, was originally cited as the youngest. But it is pretty clear that in the films they're following, you know, the authority of Pen- of Appendix A, which makes sense. I mean, I would too, rather than that one stray reference in conversation by Thorin in the middle of the book. So you weren't taken surprised by this? No, I wasn't. I wasn't because, I mean, I, I did remember that Fili was listed first in the gene- in the genealogy at the end. In fact, I had uh, I mean, I had I had almost forgotten about um, that that reference in the middle. I mean, I forgot I, I had almost forgotten about the con- the conflicting reference to that. But um, but yeah, so no, I mean, it, I wasn't I wasn't shocked. Um, in fact, I was kind of assuming it from the desolation of Smaug when Thorne was talking to him that that you know that Fuey. N- not to mention the fact that just the way that they in in, in the way that they act, you know, Kiwi. Mm-hmm. sort of acts like the younger kid, you know. Um so it didn't uh, it didn't surprise me in that way, but um uh but anyway, yeah, I mean it is it is it's it's sort of an interesting piece. I mean, people um people have you know, these wonderful um, ideas of how sort of comprehensive, how kind of comprehensive Tolkien's mind was. And, and certainly, you know, he was a wonderful story maker in that way. But as I've said before, his his strength as a story maker wasn't really his being able to conceive of everything and keep all of these details straight all the time. He messed up constantly and, and, and forgot things and made mistakes. What he was, where his real genius lay uh, in this stuff was in retcon, you know, was in, 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 in making up, in making things fit retroactively to things that Mm -hmm. were originally mistakes or whatever, you know, I mean that, that, that kind of, that kind of activity, um, the way that he would revise and build and, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and again, sort of hammer things into place. Um, and even, you know, you know, my favorite are when he invents the stories in order to explain what was actually a mistake before. Um, and, you know, and those, that, that it's that he's so good at that, that it, that it feels after the fact, it feels completely organic. Um, I mean, nobody would guess. Nobody would guess. In fact, people are usually surprised when they hear for the first time that the Riddles in the Dark chapter, you know, that chapter five of The Hobbit is, uh, you know, completely revised and, and totally altered from the first edition. Um, and that, you know, he he basically, you know, shoehorned this entire alteration to, to Gollum's character and to their... While, of course, keeping, 
huge chunks of it word for word, but yet adapting those passages. Um, and I, you know, in my book, I talk about some uh, some examples, moments where Tolkien has kept the first edition text word for word, and yet in the new context he's placed it, completely reversed its meaning. Um, it, it's amazing, but he does it so well that you wouldn't read it and guess that it was, you know, kind of put together like that. Um, right. But, so anyway, it, you know, it's that's where oh, his real space. skill was. He's no J.K. Rowling. No, exactly, yeah. Who obviously has the whole thing in her mind from day one. No questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it must be nice to be like J.K. Rowling and just to see the ends of all roads from that, like, nexus of consciousness where she's sitting. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a rare gift. Huh. I keep so trying to convince Harry Potter people that, I, you know, that... I, I, my skepticism for the, you know, that it's, I, my, 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 my respect for her is decreased in as much as she insists on that. You know, the idea that it seems to be part of this mythos that she's sort of bought into. Like, I get the fact that she says she had the last chapter, you know, written way in advance. Maybe I can kind of believe that, but I wholly disbelieve, um, that the, uh, um, that the, you know, the, she had the whole story worked out. It's demonstrable. I think, you know, you can do, you know, just read the texts carefully and you can see the things that change completely. Um, yeah. I mean, I will eat my hat if uh, the diary of Tom Riddle was intended to be a horcrux in book two. It was obviously not, but that's a, yeah. it's okay. That was a really clever piece of retcon. I like that. You know, it's just like, man, let it go. But anyway. Um, never let it go. Yeah, yeah. Um, it actually makes it more interesting. It does much more interesting. Yeah. I mean, the 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 process of of the growth of story. I mean, it's even you know you're thinking about it in in kind of larger, more theoretical terms. It's basically the extent to which you, are you willing to admit that the story is bigger than you. You know, I, I mean, there's a kind of there's a kind of 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 arrogance to it. Almost, I would say, in Rowling's case i wonder if there's a kind of fearfulness to it like she doesn't want to admit you know that that you know she i don't know what if she considers it sort of like shameful or a lessening of herself you know she wants to claim that she's entirely in charge of the story at all times it's like you know that's actually not how it works i mean all of the best stories are stories that you know went their own way you know in which the author you know in which the author you know, comes to the end of it and is like, okay, I didn't see that coming. You know, I mean, like, that's, that's kind of, it's, it's like almost one of my definitions of a good story. If that doesn't happen, you know, if the author says, I have this story in my head and I want to write it down and they write it down and they say, yeah, that's exactly what I had in my head. Um, I mean, are those kinds of stories ever good? <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's, 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 uh, yeah. So I, I just, um, I think that that, that it's, it's that that idea that those those I kinds of why it seems important to her to to, to claim otherwise. I, I don't know. I mean, I get the impression just from listening to her talk that she's. Um, I think especially in the early days, she was a little bit self-conscious about the fact that she was kind of coming out of nowhere. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, were pretty critical of her as like this, like you know, this you know, random 
person. I mean, the kind of rags to riches story um, of, you know, the, you know, of JK Rowling and the, and the Harry Potter phenomenon at the beginning was, you know, I mean, that was something that was, that was pretty prominent. And it was on the one hand, uh, you know, a charming story, um, you know, uh, as far as like a, uh, you know, a, 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 a real life color kind of story, but it did not really, uh, facilitate her getting much literary respect. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I, my sense of it, you know, just listening to her making these comments and the, sort of the way this stuff all came out at the time, um, was basically she was trying to like, she, she seemed to be really eager to establish like, I am a serious author, you know, I am a legitimate you know, literary figure. And, uh, and I think that it's, it was in the interest of that, that she ended up kind of going in that direction. Hmm. But, but right. now we're engaging. So in welcome cryptic, to Harry so, Potter uh, in the dark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, this is, this isn't, it's, it's not exactly critfic. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the things that she said, like I'm doing, I'm doing analysis of, of what, of like the actual comments that she's made. Um, you know, and, and I don't know, but um, yeah, yeah. So if Laura's mic was on, she would say, "Well, now getting back to the Hobbit." <laughs> Fair enough, right, Laura? Fair enough. Um, you know, actually, uh, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about the the um, uh, was it the Empire article we're going to talk about next? Uh, Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, um, oh, the, that, that's what I meant. Yeah, the and I wanted to the mention Weekly article. Kevin. Office, bless his heart, has actually put a site up where he's done all did all the pictures that you just pulled out, Corey. <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, about it. No, you just clip, flip through. I got it. I got oh, it. Oh, you got it. Okay. Oh yeah, I, I got it. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. That was awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin, that's that's fantastic. I'm gonna. I'm actually. There's there's a bunch of these that I wanna that I wanna go through. Some of them are not very interesting, but a couple of them are actually um, worth talking about at least uh, at least for for a little while. But let's um, let's look at the Entertainment Weekly stuff. So there are a few things here um, that are interesting. I, much that I still don't really understand. We get several. Uh, fun pictures, uh, so we can we can look at these fun pictures. Um, here's. Um, I think if people want to look at the article, if you search on like Entertainment Weekly Battle of the Five Armies, you yep. can probably find the article. Yeah, you can find it. So the most encouraging thing to me here is that this is obviously a battle that is happening before the gates of Erebor. And I'm delighted to see that. I don't understand all of the fighting that's going on in the ruins of Dale. Um, I mean, on the one hand, one thing that this picture certainly suggests is that um, the you know the scope of the thing is enormous. So it's going to span. You know, maybe you know part of it is happening in the ruins of Dale just because it's spilled over into the ruins of Dale because it's so enormous. Um, that seems possible, but. Um, uh, but anyway, I am really glad to see that they haven't just simply shifted as, uh, as you know, the trailer and the Lego sets and the other, uh, uh, yeah, the other things that we've seen have all sort of suggested that it's, um, that it mostly happens in Dale. So I'm glad it doesn't happen in Dale. Just symbolically, I, I, I think that's the wrong place I for it to be. I kind of assumed, and I guess I also got this from the drawings that you'll be going into in a minute, 
that maybe the battle is in two parts. You know, that there's the Dale part, and there may be kind of like a lull, and then the, Arab, you know, in front of the gates of Erebor part. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, remember that in the book, you have, th there is a sense in which, it's not exactly there are two parts, like there's a break in the middle or anything, um, but the goblins are all charging, and they're all swarming around the base of the mountain, and the elves and dwarves and men take defensive positions, you know, on these two arms of the mountain surrounding the gate. Um, and so that they, they, they take up defensive positions on the higher ground and the goblins sort of swarm into the middle and get attacked from either side. And, and that's where it sort of looks like possibly they're you know, the good guys are going to win. And then the new phase of the battle starts when the goblins have climbed up over the, over the, the, side of the mountain and are attacking now uh, the defensive positions from behind and above. And that's the moment where Bilbo says, well, okay, it looks like we're all going to die now. Um, so, um, and that, and, and that's then of course, when the Eagles come. So that's the way the battle proceeds. So in that sense, Trish, there are, you know, it does make me wonder if those, if, you know, some, some equivalent of that, like if there's going to be some kind of an initial rush, rush, which is going to be stemmed and then all of a sudden they're going to be overwhelmed, you know, from other directions or something. Right. It, it seems, it seems possible that, um, that that kind of thing could happen. So I don't really know how this is going to, how this is going to go through. Um, one point, of course, you know, Dave, I think that you made, um, before one of your first reactions to the um, to the article was the reference to the fact that the battle's going to be forty five minutes long, mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's a lot. That's really a lot. That's longer than Helm's Deep, um, which is interesting. Again, not what's interesting to me about that is that the Battle of Helm's Deep is a battle that has a bunch of different segments. You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, and the same thing with the Battle of Pelennor Field. Um, more happens in both of those battles as far as, you know, like different armies coming in and, and you know, different sort of frontiers of the battle, um, you know, first at the wall and then the fight at the, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the different sorties that are described in, in the Battle of Helm's Deep and then the taking of the wall and then the last defense of the Hornburg. And, you know, so you can see these, the, you know, it naturally has in the book, again, these, these, you know, very different segments in very different places. Um so it takes mm -hmm. a while for that battle to unfold on film, which makes sense. I don't understand how the Battle of Five Armies is going to take that long. I mean, I guess we're going to, you know, the the dramatic deaths of major characters, I suppose, takes up some screen time. Um, but the well, I wonder if they're going to add some add some sequences to the battle as well. Um, uh, you know, like. Uh, like um, I, I don't know what I'm I don't know what I mean by that, but uh, you know, add sort of like sort of map out like a, a course for the battle and add you know okay actually we're gonna have um, this this particular um, uh, group of orcs will will push through here and then um, and then Bard will lead these guys to rescue Thranduil you know and re remember we we have all this. We have these shots of Thranduil um, standing alone in the ruins of Dale, fighting by himself. Right. 
if I mean, if the battle is 45 minutes long, I think we have to assume that just for pure time's sake, that must be a part of the Battle of Five Armies. Right. Probably uh, so. But I, I, how the heck does that happen, and where does that fit in? Who knows? Still have no idea. Yeah. 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 Now, um, yeah. oh, uh, Kim Wehrmeister suggests that the 45 minutes might mean you know that there are other things interspersed. Um, and that certainly, I mean, that happened, of course, in the battle sequences um, in uh, The Return of the King and The Two Towers. Mm-hmm. But here's my question, Kim. What? Interspersed with what? What else happens? What else? What What other plot line are we going to shift to in the Battle of Five Armies? I mean, the function of the Battle of Five Armies um, is like the Battle of Five Armies is like the big final get together at the end of the story. I mean, in the book, it's like almost every single character that we meet along the way all comes back together in the Battle of Five Armies. Um, I mean, apart from the fact that Elrond doesn't show up and the trolls, of course, who are turned into stone can't make it, everybody else from chapter four onward, everyone that we've met, and the spiders don't show up. Okay, 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 okay. The spiders don't show up either. But all, everybody else comes. We get the Elven King, we get the Wargs, we get the Goblins, we get Bjorn, we get, you know. So it's the final, um, unlike the, the you know, both of the other major battle sequences in which we have something else major going on, right? You know, you've got, we've got at least the, the journey of Frodo and Sam, um, which is going on at the same time as, as, as the other two battles. Um, and indeed, you know, le- leading up to the climactic moments of the return of the King, where, you know, Frodo and Sam at the cracks of doom is happening at the same time as the battle outside the black gate, the, sort of the whole mm-hmm. point of the way the story is unfolding at that time is that, you know, both of those things are happening at the same time. What is to shift to? I mean, Sauron? I mean, is Sauron going to be up to something? Are, are, are we going to get lurking. Sauron lurking? <laughs> you know, as we talked about in in in, in we're the gonna, riddle, we're going to get uh, interspersed with the battle. We're going to get Sauron's road trip to Mordor. <laughs> That's right, and the 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 ring wraiths in their in their in their housekeeping aprons, beating out the rugs yeah. and and uh, uh, and dusting Not off the furniture. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, you know, Jackson they're going to be calling been... Sauron and telling him, "Look, um, we can you can you stop on your way and pick up a few things." <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Just st- you, you really might want to stop by the Home Depot on the way home because, man, <laughs> this place needs more work than I thought it did. It really does. You know, in fact, you might want to pick up like a whole huge crew of, of orc slaves on the way down because seriously, right. yeah. Well, you know, Jackson has actually sort of referred to this i would not say he's answered it but and now that the end of the entertainment weekly article is a little bit weak but he says after making the lord of the rings trilogy and two previous two previous films, my thing is it took him this long jackson has learned that epic warfare can be surprisingly boring <laughs> <laughs> i could have told him that way earlier especially if you're not watching people you care about. So he says, we have a rule that we're not allowed to go more than two or three shots of anonymous people fighting without cutting back to our principal characters. Otherwise, the audience doesn't have a battle fatigue. That doesn't answer the question you've posed. But he has said in other interviews, I remember at least one, where he says something about that the storyline will progress during the battle. Meaning there's going to be some other interactions besides just, you know, yelling and... Yeah, we're, we're not going to go like ten minutes of of just watching unnamed characters scream in pain as they get shot through the gut with arrows, or 
That is disappointing. So, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I've been ever since I read that, I've been trying to envision what that means. You know, so yeah. it's like there's going to be story arc relevant things happening during the battle. Okay, well, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, in many ways, I think. As, uh, as somebody who has before and will cheerfully at any point defend action movies and action sequences, not as distractions from, but if done well, essential parts of story and storytelling, um, it's my sort of hope that... See, this is... His statement about the the characters and the people we care about sort of makes me uncomfortable in that nervous way. nervous yeah because I can't, I can't believe it something peter jackson said about how he intends to make the film fills you with unease <laughs> yeah, it is kind of unusual isn't it um but but the the this the specific uh unease <clears throat> with which it fills me is um if indeed the interest of the battle is to be hooked only upon personalities then it suggests that the battle as a story itself is not, in fact, as much of a point of interest. And I, that's, um, I mean, I think about the way that the way that Tolkien depicts the battle in the book, and it's primary. It's from Bilbo's point of view, but of course, it's not because you know, we're invested in Bilbo and therefore we care. Rather, Bilbo is just an observer. He plays no real part in the battle. And we've talked about, of course, how we don't expect Bilbo to play no real part in the battle uh, in the film that it would see. And, and, and frankly, it's not even just that that's, you know, something we think that Peter Jackson is likely to do, but rather I think that's actually a really, another really good example of something that works really badly uh, on film compared to how it would work in the book. If we were actually to see Bilbo doing exactly what he does in the book that that is mostly nothing and sitting around and watching it would look odd you know it would make us think of Bilbo in in particular you know we would see his inactivity and it would seem to be it would seem to be a weakness i mean it would seem to suggest i don't know what weakness cowardice um it would compromise i think his character in a way that hearing about his observations don't compromise his character. I mean, I know I don't think right. less about Bilbo in the book uh, in the same way that, for instance, in a much more dramatic way, I think very much less of Bilbo in the Rankin-Bass Hobbit, because all he does is sit around and make snarky comments about the battle while the battle is going on. Um, but um, uh, but anyway, th- there's... Um, I, I, so, so obviously you couldn't do it exactly like that, but again, the way that Tolkien depicts it is is this sort of overview of the battle. It doesn't hang on personalities. We don't know what's happening to Bard. We don't know what's happening to the Elven King. You know, we don't know what, you know, it's only, you know, Thorin, of course, is mentioned, but that's because the charge of Thorin is a major shifting point in the battle. Um, but anyway, so I just, I just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of hoping it's not simply a, it's not simply a personality thing. Um, and that there's no, um, I mean, I, I think that the the whole tendency to think, let's hope they advance the plot in addition to just doing the battle. Like, I feel like 
even going, even saying that is already conceding failure, essentially. Because if the battle itself is not indeed a satisfying culmination of the plot, it is a failure as a plot right, device. Right. Oh, yikes. There, Timothy Fisher has a horrifying suggestion. Okay. There'll, there'll be a sequence where, like, Bilbo's, like, running, and he's got the Arkansas in his pocket, and he trips and drops it, and then he has to chase it rolling <laughs> through the battlefield. And you do the, and you have, like, do the thing where, like, an orc kicks it up in the air, and then he's running, and then someone swings their sword and hits it, and it goes flying, and he keeps running after it. Yeah, wow. Ke- uh, Kevin Ophis was suggesting a similar thing. Not the kicking it around business, which would be... <laughs> Oy. But, um, but rather the... Um, uh, the uh, that uh, the you know the, like people are trying to sneak away with it, and you know Kevin says yeah. there'll be fighting, and then it cuts away to whoever has the Arkenstone is trying to sneak off with it. Um, maybe, but at this point in the story, Thorin should have it. Well, or no, Bard should have it theoretically. Thorin shouldn't have it yet. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Unless Bilbo gives it to him. I mean, we'll see. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I have the to me as we've talked about throughout the Riddle game, the biggest problem I have with trying to speculate about the Arkenstone and the role the Arkenstone is going to play is that I don't, I still don't understand the Arkenstone. They've been so shy about revealing their plans for the Arkenstone and what the Arkenstone means that uh, you know. I, I really don't pretend to understand. Um, yeah. They may still be trying to work that out. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Oh, presumably. Um, yeah, yeah. He should know by now. So, so looking at the diagrams some more, it's interesting to see the... I'm sure these are drawn to scale, right? Don't you think? What, these? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally yeah. drawn to scale. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> interpreting them that, in that way... Uh, it's interesting that the first diagram shows shows they're they're trying to pinch the goblins between the the elves on the the left. Yes. The uh, the dwarves and men on the right, and Thorin coming down from the gates of Erebor all the way down to Dale. But then in the very next one, what we see is Thorin, the elves and dwarves and men surrounded by uh, by goblins right right next to the gate. Apparently, which is why I was thinking there would be two parts yeah. to it. Um, it's interesting to see that Bard is not with Thorin. Right, Bard's surrounded. over here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't no clue where Thranduil is. Pro- <laughs> Thranduil is actually far south of here, down in Dale. Space. Yeah, he's 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 off the he's off the screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We have Bayorn. Maybe this is him over yeah, here. Bayorn. might be him over there. This might be yeah, this might be Thranduil. This, I, I mean, looking at this thing. Um, Looking at looking at this diagram, this kind of I mean I look at this and I think this kind of this is basically how it's described in the book, uh, the second diagram at least. It, like this makes me feel somewhat hopeful. Well, it's like a Trivial Pursuit game piece. To yeah, me. it does. <laughs> yeah, it really yeah. does. You've got uh, look, they've managed to collect all four different colored um, wedge pieces. There should be six, but that's okay. You know, as a, um, <laughs> Um, what, one thing that I would want to point out, and this I didn't notice until I actually saved the images in order to show them here today without all of the effluvia that is on the rest of Entertainment Weekly pages, um, which th- that's one of the websites that really hurts me to look at because yeah. there's so much junk on it. But anyway, effluvia is a 
excellent. <laughs> so, so I, I extracted these images, and when I did, notice that this one is called mapofbattle.jpg, and this one is called Battle of Five Armies book.jpg. And oh, interesting. This is, in fact, how wait, the battle wait, wait, wait. is. Say that again? This one is called, if you look up at the top here, this one is named Battle of Five Armies book.jpg. Oh. And this is indeed how it's described in the books. That is with the elves and the with the dwarves and men and the elves and them coming down and the goblins in the middle and yeah. Thorin coming in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is right, right with yeah, Bolg cause, here because this is the the men and dwarves and the elves coming off of the the two spurs, right? Right. right. Exactly. Yeah, coming off the two All spurs right. of the mountain with the with the goblins in the middle and, and still lots the, of goblins outside. Yeah, and you have the goblins. The goblins at the top are going to be the guys that come over the mountains. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Whereas this, um, this, it doesn't happen like this. And the, but they don't. They don't. I mean, Thorin. Okay. There, I mean, after Thorin charges and the elves and dwarves and men come down with him, there is a moment like this. You know, this this does happen because you know that they're, they're like they're about to despair. The goblins have come over the shoulders of the mountain, and then Thorin charges out and they charge out with him. But then the charge, you know, fails. he goes too deep, right? Right, exactly. He goes too deep, and then they end up forming a circle and getting surrounded right. like this. Um, and presumably there would be elves and men, and this would explain also why Bard uh, and if this is if this blue and the elves seem to be blue, so if this is Thranduil not labeled, um, why they might be outside because it would just mean that they didn't personally go along with Thorin on his charge. This would be like the remnant, and there's and there are more dwarves here too. So this would be the remnant of those that charged with Thorin, and then Bjorn comes in and breaks it right, up. Isn't there a reference? Isn't there a reference to sort of uh, Thorn comes charging in, and and a, and a lot of the the men and elves sort of rally to him, kind of against better strategy. They go running in there heedless, and and doesn't doesn't Bard try to sort of restrain his men? At some point, this... there's something like that where essentially, you know, people sort of get caught up in the battle and go running off into the middle of the, the thick of things. And Bard's like, no, no, stay back, stay back, strategy, strategy. <laughs> and and then the, and, and I guess that's sort of around when eventually they probably get trapped. Yeah, I mean, they do go too far and get trapped here. Um, and then Bjorn comes in. So I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know. We get the, the, the eagle sweeping in. This seems... I was going to say, should we talk about the eagle in the room? Yeah, yeah the, the eagle. That's so, the so most controversial the, part. Yeah, the arrows here show the eagles taking out the goblins. I presume these would be the goblins on the spurs of the mountain there. Um, and can I say that I love the fact that all of these, like, crude sketches seem to be superimposed on an Alan Lee pencil drawing of, of, of the Lonely Man. I guess this is what it is like to work on the Hobbit movie, where you've got so many John Howe and, and Alan Lee uh, sketches sitting around that you just use them for scrap paper, apparently. So, uh, but, but anyway. They might have made, made notepads out of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe so. Aha! Here we go, Corey. I found it. Sorry to okay. interrupt. Yeah, go back yeah. to my point. So to me, to me, elves and men, to me, oh my kinsfolk, he cried, Thorn, and his voice shook like the horn of the valley. Down, heedless of order, rushed all the dwarves of dying to his help. Down, too, came many of the lake men, for Bard could not restrain for them. For Bard could not restrain them, good. And out upon the other side came many of the spearmen of the elves. Oh, interesting. Good. Well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. They're going to do that. They're going to do that. That would be um, cool. Uh, here, 
Uh, once it, I'll continue. Once again, the goblins were stricken in the valley, and they were piled in heaps till Dale was dark with, um, uh, dark and hideous with their corpses. The wargs were scattered, and Thorn drove right against the body, the bodyguards of Bolg, Azog, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, but hey, he could Bold not might pierce still have their... a bodyguard he's probably going <laughs> to be <true>. there <laughs> but he could not pierce their ranks already behind him many of the goblin dead lay many men and many elves and many a fair elf that should have lived yet long ages merrily in the wood and as the valley widened his onset grew ever slower his numbers were too few his flanks were unguarded soon the attackers were attacked and they were forced into a great ring facing every way hemmed all about with goblins and wolves returning to the assault hmm Interesting. Yeah. No. So yeah. yeah, so Bard's Bard Bard has the better sense and stays up on the spur. Right. Right. Which which actually you can see the Bard from the film doing that saying, Yeah, I'm not running down there with that crazy guy. Right. Right. Exactly. North Randwell either saying, Yeah. Nah. Right. Um now the thing he says okay, in so the elves, article sorry. the thing he says in the article, which I find interesting, is he he he, he kind of has an an eagle apology sort of. Um, and he talks about. You found it interesting. I found it upsetting. Yeah, he talks. I was going to go with horrifying, actually, but go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Well, I'm just stating. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm trying yeah. to pull a page out of Olson's <laughs> sarcasm, manual, but I'm not succeeding well. That um, he says the eagles now are part of the plan. So rather than being you, you catastrophic in the movie, apparently they are going to be written into the plan. So it, maybe Gandalf's going to send a moth off. I don't know. But it's and we're going to get to see Gwai here for the first time. But you know, anyway. So I, I that to me changes the battle a lot. If the eagles are just like, oh yeah, the eagles are going to join us. Yeah, yeah. This is all part of the strategy. Thorin did all this to lure the goblins down off the mountain so the eagle. I don't. God. I'm. I'm. I guess I'm not they aren't could then be the you catastrophic character. But still, I'm not happy. It's kind of upsetting. I, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping maybe what he means is not that not that not that there's a grand um not that there's a grand uh, uh um strategy where the dwarves have been in communication with the eagles all along. Right. But maybe like just maybe we just get a, a glimpse of the eagles planning ahead so it doesn't seem like they come out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, I, actually actually to give Jackson some credit, one could argue that in fact, in fact, he's right. The Eagles were part of a plan all along, right? <laughs> They're there part of the grand plan of, of, like, the Valar. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what he's going to show us. Right, Manway exactly. consulting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because... Uh, but he won't be able to call him that. I'll have to call him Wayman or something. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Unidentified, unidentified humanoid. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, we'll see. But I mean, kind, I'm... Kind I'm of g- upsetting. It is. Now, I don't know. I mean, my own thoughts on this are really all sort of tangled up. I mean, on the one hand, if... Um, if if and, and the other thing that I want to kind of give the benefit of the doubt on here is, I don't know. I mean, having done interviews with journalists and been quoted before, you know, uh, <laughs> I understand how that can sometimes work. So it sounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, they make it sound like Jackson is swearing off any idea of like a you catastrophic ending to the battle, um, uh, and. 
I frankly can't imagine that that's going to happen. I mean, that is not, and I'm not saying that and saying like, oh, like the Peter Jackson I know and love would never do that kind of violation. I'm not saying that. What I am saying though is that can you? Im- I can't imagine there hasn't been a single battle in any of of the movies that have not ended you catastrophically, right? None. True. I can't imagine. I mean, how boring yeah, that's is it going to yeah. be to depict just like a solid victory by a cleverly laid plan by the one side who proved itself ultimately superior to the other? You know, I mean, like, that's just that's not going to fly. It's not going to work. Um, and it flies against it flies in the face of every, you know, expectation that we've had from, you know, all of the other films. And so if if there's no. You catastrophic intervention. I'm going to be pretty. I'm going to be pretty surprised. Um, uh, I. Um, so yeah. So I'm. 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 I'm going to kind of delay judgment on this. We'll see if if Jackson has actually forsworn you catastrophe. Um, I mean, I think that the way the. I don't know. I mean, I. I get what he's what? saying about the, you know, the um, about the Eagles, and I know he's like gotten lots of crap for for the Eagles exactly. in the That's past. That's what I was going to say. I wonder if if this is true that he's doing this. It's kind of sad because he he refers to that, you know, yeah. in the, you know, I, Eagles drop the ring, you know, take take the hobbits and drop the ring in, in Mount Doom. And if that is true that he's been swayed by yeah. that, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I guess in his defense, in his defense, you know, I, I um, one, yeah, I think you're right, Corey. Like, we probably should be take, uh, um, you know, interviews with a grain of salt because the journalist can present things however we want. There is, as an aside, there was recently an interview with a with a famous professor from my field um, uh, in computer science and data mining and all that stuff. Where basically it, the way the article was written, it made it sound like he was just basically bashing a lot of his colleagues and saying a lot of what they were doing was wrong. And he went on Facebook and was like, um, uh, "You know, the the quotes the quotes are verbatim, but they're taken out of context. And the first three paragraphs that that set everything up are just patently false." Yeah. So Boy. you know, uh, so so I guess we should you know be careful. And also, you know, I think it's fair to say that that that. Uh, the nuance of you catastrophe, perhaps in a mainstream popular film, uh, um, being played to an, a not terribly sophisticated audience, um, maybe just doesn't. You know, maybe he's right in a sense that for a filmmaker like him trying to make a mainstream film, it is awkward. You know, maybe he does in fact grok you catastrophe and appreciates it, but but it's just really hard to do it well in a film without it looking weird. Maybe. But I. But the thing is, is that it's not. I mean, thinking about you catastrophe and its significance and what it means might possibly be sophisticated, but the phenomenon yeah. itself isn't. You know, the the phenomenon of of that sudden turn that brings things right. You know, uh, the the you know, the idea of a fairy tale ending. Um, that's a pretty common and intuitive thing. Uh, you know, and in fact, it's a it's a it's a, it's a technique that that often happens, you know, uh, and, um, and I think, I don't know. I mean, the accusation of deus ex machina kind of annoys me more and more because I feel like 
people don't understand the distinction, you know, and yeah. anytime, anytime there's any sort of an external intervention that changes the course of events, people are like, oh, it's a deus ex machina. That is not the case. A deus ex machina is simply... Um, deus ex machina is a device by which like all yeah, yeah. everything has changed around and and the consequences of 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 everything are just simply removed. I mean, when something comes in and says like okay, it looks like everything was bad and and but now we're just going to magically like change things and say that like it's like as if the bad choices you made were unmade now and and now they don't happen. Like that's that's the classic kind of deus ex machina when a god, you know, a greek god comes out on the stage and says I'm just going to transform this unfolding tragedy into a happy ending, um, just by like by fiat, um, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a way which makes no intuitive sense. So we're not talking about, like another one character coming in and uh, out of nowhere and rescuing another character at the end. That's not Deus Ex Machina. That's not at all mm-hmm. how it works, you know. And and you, you can argue in some circumstances that you know a sudden intervention like that can have a kind of Deus Ex Machina effect. Um, mm-hmm. You know that is if you find it truly implausible, if you feel that that again the whole sort of logical consequences of the story as it was unfolding have been derailed. Um, you know that can happen, but but to call any sudden turn, to call anything that's even in the general category of a catastrophic ending, which is really pretty common um, mm-hmm. in films, especially in action films, um, it's it, you know. That is to, to call any of that Deus ex machina. Uh, to me, I find it is is really is is really frustrating. Is really frustrating. Um, it's not just you know. And, like, actually, th- and actually, yeah, you know, yeah. people people have a high tolerance for it. Actually, like, yes. the more I think about, it, the more the more you think about, like, so okay, the ending of the Avengers movie. Tony Stark flies the the. I hope people have seen this, and I'm not spoiling this. Yeah, <laughs> flies the nuclear bomb through the weird portal thing and then and then somehow falls through space back toward the portal and 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 all of his comrades are saying oh poor tony he's not going to make it and then next thing you know he he falls through you know against all odds and all hope and then the hulk and then they think oh crap no one's going to be able to get him and then the hulk jumps and grabs him I mean, there, there's a eucatastrophic element to that. People yeah. tolerate it all the time. Yeah, and, and as uh, Kate Neville just made another great suggestion, Han Solo suddenly showing up and assisting oh, yeah, Luke, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, at the end, that that's that's not Deus Ex Machina either. You know, that it, it's it's. Yeah, I mean, so that, and as I say, that kind of impulse, the eucatastrophic impulse in storytelling, in movie making, is, I mean, it's it's very common it's very pronounced um and yeah. so to to think that uh so anyway i certainly i mean i agree Trish, I apologized for yeah corrected for. exactly and so i think that 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 critics and and viewers are so quick to 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 call things deus ex machina when really it just means like i didn't like it like i i i didn't you know it seems honestly it sounds to me often like i don't like this movie and i'm trying to find a way to make fun of it Rather than mm-hmm. actually, th- you know, sort of thinking about the story and respecting the story, um, I, it's it's so. 
So yeah, I certainly hope that he's not just kind of giving in and trying to minimize the Eagles because he thinks, you know, he's like imagining that, you know, yeah. the the YouTube movies that are going to be made in the future about, you know, the end yeah. of the Hobbit film. Well, I wonder if I wonder if what he's going to do uh, you know, I guess I guess the thing is that the opportunity you get with a book is you deliver the you catastrophic moment, mm-hmm. the Eagles show up. But then you have exposition where you can say Oh, and you know the Eagles came out of nowhere, and then then later on you have Bilbo talking to Gandalf after the battle, and it turns out yeah the Eagles actually had noticed that the goblins have been gathering, so you can deliver the you catastrophic moment, but then you can you can use exposition to explain what happened that these weren't just like a they weren't like uh, it wasn't just a mechanism of the universe intervening, but actually the the Eagles actually you know had motive that they were thinking and planning that right. they had a reason for what they did. Um, and even in the Lord of the Rings, at the end, people forget. But this is—we have this as well. Once again, Gandalf actually sends the Eagles to go get Frodo and right. Sam. And it's—and maybe just in a film, it's harder to to deliver that. Or, or maybe what Peter Jackson's going to do is he's going to integrate the the explanation delivered through exposition into the story. So we're actually going to get shots of the eagles, like, you know, having a planning meeting, or, <laughs> or the eagles flying around and following the, the goblin army or something. But, you know, you know actually, so maybe, that would be very like the book, though, right? I mean, that would be, you know, because in yeah, the book, yeah. of course, Cause we, we see get them. things like that. Yeah. You know that we we get the, yeah. the 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 Lord of the Eagles, you know, saying, you know, commenting on the fact that he sees all of the 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 goblins out, and you know, mm-hmm. strange things afoot in the in the in the in the forest tonight. You know, that would be cool, mm-hmm. like a cut to the to the eagles. Eye. But of course, they'd have to talk in order for that to work. You know, just saying. Mm-hmm. So so you know like. Let's be hopeful. Maybe, maybe that's what's going on here. Maybe it's not just a simple like. Maybe, maybe it's not a simple. Maybe they're not turning into a video game where you have a um, um, an eagle aerial assault that you can call on demand. Right. <laughs> um, may, maybe, in fact, it'll be something a little more like that. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. We'll see. But uh, anyway, yeah. So I'm I'm trying not to read. I'm trying not to read too much into that. Now, one thing that several people have been drawing um, have been drawing our attention to that um, we haven't talked about here about these diagrams yet is are the numbers. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure what the numbers refer to. If that's like scene numbers or something like that, um, one does uh, 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 sort of. It's hard not to take the the number the the I mean I don't know why we you know the fact that we're starting at number sixteen is the earliest number I think that we see here uh, Thorin is fifteen. Mm-hmm. I mean, does this suggest a sequence? So Thorin charges the goblins, then the elves and dwarves charge down. Uh, I guess, and then if these numbers are in fact continuous, then we have 17 is them forming up and the goblins charging in and bards standing over here and the dwarf standing over here and goblins standing here and here. And then 18 men charge down and like Thranduil all by himself or whatever charges down over here and the eagles come in and then 19 is Bjorn. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem, yeah, Noam says it suggests the stages of the battle, and he was wondering what I thought about the fact that uh, Bjorn seems to come in after the eagles. Um, 
That's actually how it happens in the book. That is to say, that's our actual experience of it in the book. We only find out about Bjorn. We see the eagles first, um, and then we find out about Bjorn second. Um, and I, I take from that not only that, that that it's just how we learn about it, but that actually seems to be how it happened. Um, the eagles, remember, the eagles aren't actually... I don't think there's any evidence in the book that the eagles are actually the deciding factor in the battle. Um, they changed yeah. the course of the battle because the, uh, the, you know, the allies were certainly defeated when they were flanked, you know, when the, when, when the goblins were coming at them from behind as well as in front. Um, and you know, the goblins now had the higher ground and had surrounded their defensive positions. It's clear that they couldn't win. So the eagles sweep the goblins off the the shoulders of the mountain, and so therefore now things are sort of restored. But it is not at all clear that the eagles had routed the goblins in the valley. It's it's the intervention of Bjorn, um, who comes in and destroys yeah. Bolg and rescues and and rescues Thorin. That seems to be the real decisive moment um, in the battle. So actually, I think that that's, that seems to me canonical that the eagles come in first and Bjorn comes in second. Um, so the fact that Bjorn's uh, uh, approach should be the, the sort of the latest number there seems to me right. That's true. In a lot of ways, with all the focus on the eagles, um, uh, Bjorn's arrival is, is in many ways much more catastrophic, right? Because right? even with the eagles coming in and temporarily turning the tide uh, and defeating the, the um, goblins coming over the mountains and stuff and, and turning that uh, assault back, uh, Thorin still screws yes. unless, unless Bayorn uh, intervenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Um, yeah, no, uh, Lincoln Alpern was just pointing this out, too, that, uh, you know, he, he was suggesting that Bjorn, not the Eagles, would be the catastrophic moment, and uh, Timothy Fisher was saying that that's consistent with the numbers that we see. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that that's... And, and, you know, the reason that the Eagles, the arrival of the Eagles, are what we all sort of remember, I mean... You ask somebody, like, what's the catastrophic ending at the end of The Hobbit? And 99 out of 100 people are going to say the eagles, right? The the arrival of the eagles. That's because of the effect that the narrative gives us with from Bilbo's point of view, right? Because it's, it's the yeah. last part of the battle that he remembers. It's anticlimactic, actually, to go, oh, well, then Bjorn right. came in. I mean, have somebody else tell the story after the right. fact. Right, exactly. Um, the eagles are coming. The eagles are coming. Like, that moment... Is I mean that's the iconic moment, not because the eagles were actually decisive, but because that's mm-hmm. that is the moment of you catastrophe. That's the sudden turn. That's the I thought we were all dead, but now you know unexpectedly it looks like you know hope might suddenly have arrived, um, and uh, and and the you know the the fact that Bjorn comes in and we're told about Bjorn coming in and that and that he had the decisive effect on the battle, you know okay that's um. Uh, that's 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 great, and that's really interesting. But it does not convey anything like the just because of the way it's told. It doesn't right. convey any of the kind of emotional impact. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so, so we'll see. Well, I think the um, I think the eagle thing. You know, I, I think I think that it could fit what Jackson. You know, how Jackson says in the article. Well, you know, in, in the movie, the eagles are part of the plan. I think 
I think, you know, my first take on that was, oh, I mean, they, like, include them when they first do the battle strategy. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. You know, it could very well be kind of what I sort of snarkily said earlier. I mean, Gandalf could summon them at some point. Yeah, I mean, um, honestly, if... You know, so that we yeah. know they're coming. That's, so it's not a surprise. Right. In other words, he could summon them with a moth. That's right. He pulls out his Xbox 360 controller. <laughs> and hits the Eucatastrophe button. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite part of War in the North. I, 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 would, I, would, yeah. I would play that game if only That's for the Eucatastrophe button. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. I can see Jackson meaning that the audience is going to know they're coming. Right. As opposed to them showing up by surprise. I have to say, though, if he thinks that having the Eagles intervene you catastrophically is going to be worse than him going to the Gandalf and the Mothwell one more I time, know. then, I know. like, I he's know. completely tone deaf, but... I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. But his, you know, his thinking may be, we saw him in the forest, we saw them at Orthanc, the audience will expect it of the Gandalf. Oh, yeah, boy, absolutely. Well, heck, summon the eagles. <laughs> well, we've seen the eagles multiple times. Why, do we, why not expect they'll show up? Why, does they have, why do they have to be summoned? Right. I know. <laughs> grumble, uh, grumble, grumble. I'm just, I'm just going to hold out yep. hope that, uh, that somehow this is handled an appropriate manner. Right. Right. <laughs> yep. We will we will we will hope for that. Um let's look at some some still images here. If we hear of you being ejected from the theater before we see the movie, Dave, we'll know. <laughs> we'll know. Uh yeah. Yeah. If we get word that Dave Kale was ejected from the theater at the premiere of The Hobbit, the Battle of the Four yeah. Armies. Yeah. Yeah, screaming yeah. eagles, eagles. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, they won't attach my name to it. It'll just that's be right. a, a story on the, the unknown. The ten, the like, the next morning news about some some crazy some distraught man. Dude. Yeah. yeah, just like some distraught man who is just bellowing eagles. You catastrophe. You catastrophe. <laughs> no, you know, hey, it would be worth it if we could call attention to this. That's issue. right. If we got all the morning talk shows using the word "you catastrophe" and bringing on experts to explain it, yeah, this could be a change for the better. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Of course, they'd mostly be psychiatric experts, but that's okay. Yeah, that's right. Talking about what was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So let, let's look at some still images here. Uh, for, yes, first, we please. have uh, we have a, a a recent movie poster. Um, my favorite thing about this poster is the expression on Smaug's face up at the top. Doesn't he look kind of sheepish and like? I mean, this is, he's got this like, like, like what? He's got this hangdog like expression, stupid, right? you know, like I'm so misunderstood, you know. <laughs> it's really, uh, it's it's really strange. Like we see him looking quite ferocious and even breathing fire in most of the other promotional. He is, isn't he? You know, he's like. What have I done yeah. with my life? How did I end up here? Right. You know, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. At least they didn't put him in a. At least they didn't put him in that same weird pos- uh, sitting position they put Tauriel in. There. <laughs> That's true. He could, he could be thinking, you know, maybe I overreact a little bit with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is actually this is a shot from Smaug turning around to fly back to the mountain to apologize. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, the, do I really want to? Is town baiting really a legitimate sport after all? I just, uh, it is, a, it is a really weird, 
I don't know scary. why they did that. He doesn't look scary at all. Not at all. I mean, he, in fact, in, he looks, in this picture, he looks more like the dragon in the never-ending story than he does in any shot yes. I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't... I don't understand. He's got, like, almost exactly the same facial expression as Thorin. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, the parallel. I didn't... I wasn't looking at the juxtaposition there, but yeah. Oh, yeah, both of them staring off into the middle it distance. Looks like, it looks like... Doesn't it look like Thorin's holding it up? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what's really going on. Thorin better watch out. Smog's coming in like a... Yeah. Yeah, so so you're suggesting that Smog's expression is really a why didn't I get an ice cream cone? I, I yeah yeah I, yeah. I apparently don't yeah. rate an ice cream cone, and I feel left out. I was passed over he's for the upset. ice cream cones. He's coming to he's coming to confront Thorin, not angrily, but but in a sort of a sad manner over why he didn't why he was not asked what his order was. <laughs> yeah, and we'll see that version of the dragon a little later in this. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um. No, so I, the rest of them are, are you know, uh, uh, you know, Gandalf is is looking sort of amusingly like a middle linebacker, but it's okay, you know. I mean, he's got he's got uh, Radagast's staff. Um, the picture of Bilbo, okay, you know, the number of t- I mean, Bilbo is holding Sting in like every single promotional shot for this, you know, that features Bilbo. So like, I'm beginning to get the impression he's going to take part in the battle. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say I think Bilbo might actually be fighting in the battle seeing as, like, the poor guy never gets to sheathe his sword at all in any other promotional thing. We have the eagle, of course, so we're not attempting surprise. Maybe that's what he means. Maybe... Maybe that's what he means. Yeah. Maybe he means that like they're just going to spoil it so thoroughly so that everyone is expecting it so that it doesn't it's not it's not going to feel like Deus Ex Machina because everyone's going to be like oh finally the Eagles we've been waiting for that. Well, I mean, yeah. Gwyer is in the Lego set. Well, exactly. So I mean, there you go. Um, now is that Thorin fighting? That is yes. Thorin. This is Are Thorin. you sure that's not right. a bat? Uh, <laughs> It could be a bat. What I really like is like the 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 really understated Azog in the background here, behind uh, you know who already looks dead basically. You know, it's, yeah. It's like R.I.P. Azog here. Um, Why didn't they? Wasn't, uh, wasn't it one of the pictures, by the way, uh, in that set that they took down that he actually is now affixed a sword to his arm? He, no, tell me he doesn't have like yeah, extra attachments to put on his arm. Apparently, because he's got a blade, he's he's standing in front of his army. He's got his arms raised, and the protuberance from his stump is now a sword blade. Does he have like a can opener too? Can he do like? <laughs> I wonder what what kinds of things he can do. Corkscrew. Yeah, I mean exactly. <laughs> like, oh boy, it, the idea of Azag having multiple prosthetic knife. attachments to his to his arm. The Swiss Army. Oh uh, yeah, exactly, exactly, Laura. That's now just... see, there should be that should be a doll. Yeah. There should be a doll with you know Azag with his arm attachments. That would well, be. That's. I mean, it, it, it does. It, it exactly <laughs> sounds like the anticipation of the action figure, right? I mean, if you get an action does, figure, you it? want to have several different attachments that you can plug in. Absolutely. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. Um, well, let's look at some of these other images. So, um, uh, uh, Kevin, Ophi, uh, a regular listener and attendee, Kevin Ophis has assembled this really impressive set of images, um, which uh, which I want to. And a lot of them we can run through quickly, but there's a lot, including a bunch of things that we haven't um, we haven't really talked about yet. Um, uh, 
Uh, let me let's see. Where do I want to start these here? Hang on. I'm gonna <clears throat> gonna bring them in here. Uh, okay. Here we go. So okay. So we got a bunch of like headshots. You know, sort of. Whoa. Really detailed headshots. Yeah. Battle uh, Yes. Working on the truck. Exactly right. These are these are like the Hobbit characters as they would appear if they were in a truck commercial. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and a Texas, a Texas truck, truck commercial. commercial. Yeah, exactly. Fort filled tough. Built exactly tough. right. That's right. Here's, here's Bard talking about how he doesn't drive the Chevy Silverado anymore. But then we get Galadriel's, <laughs> which is very interesting because she's, of course, not dirty, but she looks really angry. Um, but I will say, I have to say, uh, to give Kate Blanchett all credit, very much more attractively angry than her Lego figure would suggest. Uh, <laughs> very, very, very much so. Um, this was the um, look that she gave when her daughter had, she, you know, her daughter was a child and she had to put her bed. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, that actually really just does look like that kind of a stern parental look, right? It does. Like, it does. my caption on this picture would be, Seriously, but uh, you know. Anyway, okay, and here we got Thranduil's eyebrows, so that's good. Also featuring the rest of Lee Pace's face. Um, Unnecessary. Just, just in yeah, yeah. The yeah. yes is the supporting. Uh, it's the, their supporting role. They could have just done the eyebrows. Like I mean, like, like he feathers his eyebrows. Look at that. I mean, man. Gosh. Hey, look, whose eyes are not shockingly blue. So, like, uh, it's good, it's good to see that. Look at those yeah, I know. Pores. It's good to see that uh, that Legolas has been uh, yes. has been has has kicked his like uh, melange spice habit. He's no longer got yes. the radioactive yes. blue eyes anymore. Um, so that's nice. Um, hmm. Better pores on this one. To, I don't like this picture. Of, Looks like a CoverGirl Well, yeah, and the fact that her lips are parted, like this is, this is a. Um, I mean, I, I guess it's this is. I, I know what you're. I, it, we got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is. Well, it's 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 kind of disappointing. It's like I said, it makes me think of a makeup commercial. Yeah, you know, like exactly. It's exactly well, drawing well, attention to the lips, and and it's. Uh, I mean, this is really like an aren't I gorgeous. Uh, uh, Facial, which I guess, you know, whatever, and I, just like this one, which is also this is also like an aren't I gorgeous uh, <laughs> headshot with his carrot? Yeah, actually, you know, they couldn't possibly find a way to market her that's not just like stereotypical Hollywood sexualizing. Well, but they? see, that's the Jeez. thing that I find so fascinating is that the film itself has resisted that so strongly, and yet the marketing people yeah. can't resist it. You know. Um, yeah. You know, and that, and I'll be really interested to see if that divide persists in the third film. I mean, the divide was shocking. I was ready, I was ready for you know for for you know for cleavage, uh, for you know who knows any kind of. You know, but we didn't get it. We didn't. I mean, we 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 consistently did not get it in the second film. But yeah, the marketing people they can't resist. 
But actually, you know, this 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 kind of shot is is the kind of uh, the thing kind of thing that I find really endearing about Peter Jackson. I mean, I do like the the fact that you know he would do one of these shots uh, of himself with his carrot, you know, in this lineup like that. That that's really funny. I mean, I find that sort of yes. uh, uh, really kind of. Comedy at his own expense. That's a that's a that's a hey, good we've thing. Seen that yep, we've seen this is this is this is an old one. Um, we didn't we've we've seen this one before, but we've never talked about it. Um, and I do yeah. think that this is actually worth talking about for a second. Um, we have Bilbo. Of, this is of Bilbo course. immediately after being struck in the back of the head as he's collapsing, <laughs> right. catches himself with the sword right right at the end, but then falls. <laughs> well, it's this. So that's, this is when he's, he's looking at his, his smartphone. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. This is, yeah, but, he's, reading, he's reading his Twitter feed. <laughs> but, 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 yes. But hang on now. I want to think about this picture seriously, because we've got Bilbo on one knee <laughs> oh, with his sword in this, like, uh, you know, sort of crusader posture, right? Um, this, this, this looks mm-hmm. like a... Uh, you know, like a a, a a a knight on the quest of the Holy Grail in prayer kind of posture, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, is this grief after Thorin's death? Is this suppo- I mean, is 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 that what this is supposed to be evoking? He's um, he's still in his he's still in his ratty blue coat. He's got his mithril coat on under it. Yeah, on. he's got his mithril shirt on. Um, uh, his sword is clean. We see we see a black blood spattered sting in a whole bunch of uh, different things. But but Tim, his hands dirty. yeah, his, his hands are dirty and his face is dirty. It, it seems it seems from his person that this is post battle, um, and therefore I would take this as being grief. Um, but uh, but uh, you know Tim uh, Tim Fisher was thinking in the same direction that I was. Um, this this picture really does say knighthood to me. You know that that we're we're being asked to see Bilbo, you know, as sort of knight yeah. and warrior here, and it's it's an interesting posture, especially when mixed with apparently with grief. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and especially I mean, as 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 dense as the marketing and graphics people can be at the studio, this type of pose is cannot escape them right. in terms of its symbolism. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, Kevin uh, points out the fact that we get the, the coat, the blue coat he got in Lake Town. Um, so, right. you know, you've got his Lake Town coat, um, you know, the mithril shirt from the dwarves, um, his elven, his elvish sword, you know, so we see sort of Bilbo as like the um, and of course, he's a hobbit, so we get the you know the sort of Bilbo as like the microcosm of of uh, of, of the battle there. That, that strap by his left knee—that's just part of a scabbard, isn't it? Uh, this, yeah, I think that's belt and scabbard. Yeah. yeah. Oh, belt and scabbard. Okay. I think so. Yeah, the the back one seems to be. Because it looks like there's there's looks like there's a belt on the other side, but. Uh, yeah, the back part I think was maybe the scabbard. I was trying to figure out what that front piece was. But... Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe he's got a different like anyway. belt for his coat and uh, sword belt or something. I don't know. Oh, could be. Yeah. Um, could be. But uh, yeah, but I was uh, th- this image. I, I mean, of all of the images that they've released, I mean the the um, this one is really cool. I mean, I you know I, I kind of like the look of this, although you know it doesn't really stand up to their similitude, but. Uh, this one is really, it's one of my favorites of the promotional images. I love this. Um, 
not really. But uh, this one I think is really funny. Uh, we've got him in the like the way that he's like turning around and his hair is spinning. I mean, he looks like a supermodel going down like the runway of the Elvish army. Yeah, I mean, it's it's and and it's so awkwardly photoshopped. I mean, like there's not even room for him. Uh See, and this is the thing that shocks me more than anything else about the promotional materials for the Battle of Five Armies is that it's so much of it has been so bad. I mean, from a technical standpoint, I mean, just like that's about the worst photoshopped movie poster I remember seeing. I mean, I'm not normally like a sharp critic when it comes to, to visual images, like a sharp critic in that way. But man, I mean... That's so awkward. Okay. Yeah, Kevin says that does. That also looks like a makeup. Yeah, it does. It does, or a shampoo commercial, yeah. as Kate suggests. Um, yes. Uh, yes. Now, here I, th- I think it's that, um, one of my Twitter followers drew my attention to this about how they changed the angle. This is, of course, one of those images yeah. in the um, in the tapestry that we objected to so much um, because it looked like Gandalf was saving. You know, makes her look so weak, and like Gandalf is saving her. So they took it and they tilted it forty five degrees. Um, put, her on put her on top. So see, no, now it's not weak. No, y- yeah, okay. So now it, it looks more like she's rescuing him instead of him rescuing her. But now it is just completely yeah. nonsensical because he still seems to be obviously reclining. Like he's not hanging off a cliff. This is obviously not the angle that the mountains are standing up at a 45 degree angle. It merely draws attention to the fact that the thing is tilted and... And 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 it no no there's a uh, earth ah right yeah the entire earth has shifted by forty five yes. degrees, um, man yeah I, I just like so no I and honestly like in my mind this kind of exacerbates the problem really because it's so silly but um, anyway I was just thinking maybe they did it because they couldn't fit them both into the into the uh, you know specs for right yeah probably specs. so probably so. Yeah. What you mean? They weren't responding to our criticisms. I, I, I was assuming they were. You know, and that was. This is Thorin after he ate his ice. Cream. <laughs> That's right. I really shouldn't have eaten that ice cream cone. I really. <laughs> oh man, I feel awful now. I'm starting to get a stomach ache. It, it hurts right here. Which is, I shouldn't have done that because this is actually. A yeah. Very no, you're right. You're right. Um, and we get that. This is the you know this is fr- this is the you know part of that that scene from the 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 one good um, section of that tapestry picture, um, but uh, but I do. I mean, I do. I like his yeah. shield. His shield is cool. Got ravens on it. Yeah, yeah. Is that? Oh, okay. That's the edge. That's the edge of his. I thought maybe he had furry slippers on. <laughs> No, no, no. He's got he's got metal <laughs> slippers on. He does not have furry slippers on. Would just not go with his armor. Um, yeah, and then you've got the Smaug destroyed uh, uh, Blood. Yeah. Uh, thing. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I like this. Um, oh, this somebody in the chat room, Timothy tells us, is asked, "What is the meaning of the defining chapter?" That's true. You know, I kind of just. Yeah, Why we've been right uh, we've been uh, neglecting to talk about the text yeah. that appears at the top of all of these pictures. Um, you know, I, would, 
you know, in the context of Riddles in the Dark, I would call the scene in Gollum's cave the defining chapter. I mean, in the larger story, right. you know what I mean? Right. Well, you know, honestly, my temptation is just to say um, that that's kind of meaningless. Um, you know, that it's a meaningless... The word defining... I mean, like, seriously, what does that mean? Like, that sounds to me like just marketing speak. You know, like, it doesn't actually, it's not not actually saying anything about the, about the movie. Um, As Kevin says, they can't say the final chapter because, you know, you got to leave the door open. But, um, by the way, what that makes me think of is the fact that Billy Boyd is, has written and sung, what is it, The Last Goodbye or something like that? I mean, it's, it's, it sounds to me like the song is obviously going to be, pointed to the fact that this is the last Jackson Tolkien movie as opposed to being anything about the story itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. The defining chapter. This is the movie you guys will remember Peter Jackson for. Oh boy. That's good. No pressure. No pressure. I, I'm interested in the composition of this one. So like with the background we get, you know, Bilbo threatening us that we've offered him no violence uh, with Sting. Um, but anyway, you know, so we, we again, we clearly have, uh, again, I'm guessing Bilbo is going to take part in the battle, but um, in the we get all the scenes of, the, of warfare in the background, but it's interesting to me that what we <clears throat> get in this picture is not individuals. You know, we get armies in the background. You know, we get battle standards and towers and you know towers in flame and things like that we and, and, and the mountain vaguely over his right shoulder you can dimly make out small figures in the background but you know it's not like we're getting a crowd of visible orcs charging down on him or something like that which i guess would look really funny because he has his back to them but um but nevertheless the way in which this whole picture sort of evokes you know Bilbo with his sword looking very determined and uh, uh, and pointing in a very particular direction um, uh, with not just combat, not just violence, but, you know, the battle scene behind him um, is, is that's sort of, to me, uh, an interesting choice. In the book, when they um, fitted him out, I mean, one of the reasons why he wore, wore the mithril shirt was didn't it actually kind of go down to his knees? I mean, it was big for him, and didn't they have didn't he have like a, a helmet and some other mail some other? He did have on? a helmet, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I suppose he may in the movie. It's just for the posters. They, yeah, it describes, <clears throat> I mean, he says that, you know, when he puts on the male shirt, he says he feels magnificent, but expects that he looks rather absurd. Um, but I don't think we get too many details about exactly how no. it fits, but... Um, it seemed like to me I remember something about a helmet because it was kind of big. Yeah, yeah, he was wearing a helmet because he got yeah. a rock to the head. Oh, that's um, right, rock right to the head, yeah. Okay, we've got Thranduil, who is at least pointed in the same direction as the rest of his army, so that's... That's he's not going to spend the whole time soloing off in the ruins of Dale. That's this is an axe commercial, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. To go with the other two, the yeah, the yeah, 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 probably so. Okay, Azog. Um, unfortunately, his battle attachment is off the uh, is off the screen over here. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. 
But I really, how does he change it? I wonder because remember, the 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 claw hand that he had was actually stuck through and protruding from the back of his elbow. Yeah. Does he have to yank That's that right. out? <clears throat> I mean, does he have to yank out and re-impale his arm with a, a new attachment? Maybe it's threaded. Does so is is the shaft like the, the shaft plant. that's that's impaled through his left uh, arm is 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 threaded and then you can screw on other things? Yeah. It's like a little socket. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Although this looks like the if, if it is indeed the sword attachment that it's actually It's strapped on, on yeah. Yeah. It? Yeah, unless that's his um if he's got some kind of what they call it, you know, the the things that they wear on their Lower arms. Well, see, it's maybe this is this is what they mean by defining chapter. This is where Azog makes the, makes his definitive decision about which attachment to right. use. Right, the defining chapter <laughs> in which Azog issues the ill-made uh, uh, hook hand for uh, for a sword. That's clearly oh, there it is. There it is. Wow, that's a pretty good sword attachment. But see, the one. Oh, now see, that does not look strapped on, does it? No, it doesn't. Almost looks like a double. And this thing that. protruding from the back. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of nice to have an, el- a, an elbow spike. That's a lever. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lever. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's um. Okay, now the the most interesting thing here, of course, is the is do do you see the chronology implications of this? Lake Town, Lake Town burning, burning in the background while he's marching in. Now, again, like goodness knows, we don't take uh, chronology cues from trailers. Uh, taking it from Photoshop stills would obviously be more... Uh, um, uh, we- well, didn't we see him in this position, although sans sword, at Dalgo? Yeah, he did. Maybe, maybe it's just up. maybe it's just Photoshopped. Could you imagine if the Photoshop people were like, actually, that hook hand doesn't look good. Let's give him a sword. And he never actually does change his attachment. That's actually believable. I, I, I could actually I believe that, too. Um, yeah, we'll see. Not that I'd be shocked if he gets another attachment, though I think that's kind of funny. But um, but you're right. I mean, how many times does Azog... I mean, like, like at every stage of his journey, is he like, somebody scout ahead and find me, like, a pointy, like, uh, rock... Uh, ledge to stand out on and raise my stand arms on. because that is absolutely de rigueur. That and, what my, yeah. That's what my troops Exactly. They won't even know they're headed in the right direction if I'm not standing with my hands over my head on a pointy outcrop of rock. Um, yeah. Okay, Bill will pointing Sting, which is now dirty, but again, now we see again the battle in front of the gates of he Erebor. He we're a spider or an orc, doesn't he? I mean, he's delusional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. My hands are up, Bilbo. Seriously, I I can't. I, I surrender. I stop. Oh, I yeah. Oh okay, now we've got trolls. We saw trolls in the other picture, which 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 looked kind of interesting. But okay, so we got some. We're deploying some trolls here. We do not need to talk about that. Um, okay, now we got a few uh, shots. Not much here. Another shot of the eyebrows. Him looking a little confused. This is significantly less photoshopped. Yes. Yes, significantly yeah. less. I mean, look at look at the. That's a pretty dramatic change in visual appearance from that previous image to this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, in that he looks like a real person here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. this is Thranduil, the butt, your buddy. Right, 
This is like, this is, he, this is like Thranduil early in the morning. He hasn't had a chance <laughs> That's to apply right, yeah. his makeup. Yeah, he's still, he's still, he's kind of, he's like slightly hungover and, and uh, yeah. Um, actually, you know, speaking of early in the morning, his face here looks like uh, Lee Pace did in Kim's pictures from, from the, from the, the line at Comic-Con. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm assuming this is a that wasn't a promotional picture. Yeah. That was because it, it looks like there's. Yeah. No, that, uh, that's clearly on set. Um, is this a ring I see? <laughs> but this is really interesting. This this <clears throat> certainly seems to confirm the analysis that we were doing of Bilbo and the ring in the second film. That we are that we are clearly getting him pretty uneasy, you know, about the, the ring and, and he's clearly asking himself questions. Um, it's hard for me to, you know, looking at this picture with Bilbo in the ring, <clears throat> can we imagine this Bilbo ending up in the place where Bilbo ends up at the end of the Hobbit and the beginning of the fellowship of the, of the published fellowship of the ring? You know, I, I have a hard time see seeing that. Unless we see some kind of, you know, ring induced, Euphoria about the ring. I mean, yeah, he he point. he clearly sus- suspects the ring of something here. I mean, that, that, at least that's how I take his what I take from his facial expression. Um, Unless this is maybe this is him just fiddling with the ring as he contemplates what to do about the Arkenstone, thinking how would I feel if somebody did, got a hold of my <laughs> ring and didn't give it to me and gave it to Bard <laughs> instead. <Right. No. laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. I think it looks distrustful. Um, this picture, I think what Gandalf is saying to Thranduil is, what the heck were you doing going off by yourself in the ruins of Dale? Stay with the company, for crying out loud. Man, Elven Kings these days. Is that Lindir behind, uh, behind Gandalf, uh, isn't it? Yeah, I also like the I fact that, like, like is. is this like a stone llama or something? Like, really <laughs> idiosyncratic sculpture art that they have there. Um, anyway, sorry. I think it's an artist's conception of a deer. Maybe. I don't know what it... Kind of looks like a cross between a deer and some form of rodent, but whatever. Anyway. Um, okay, here's... Uh, here's Bard looking pensive, yeah, in his chainmail. Um, these are a bunch of the images that were removed from the. Uh, um, though they're not, these are these are less yeah. clear than the scans of the visual companion that were put in. Here's Bomber blowing a, a really impressive horn. So what do we think he's? What do you think he's using that for? I think this is how they call diet. Um, uh, well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's communicating with Diet. It's hard to imagine that the, even a horn that size is going to reach all the way to the Iron Hills. I know. Well, except in Middle Earth, they're just like the next possibly next mountain. Over. Possibly. Um, I mean, in Jackson's Middle Earth. What's really impressive, though, is that it's clear that this horn is actually a horn. Like there was a creature that used to wear this horn. Uh, uh, a little hard to imagine yeah. what that creature looked like. Um, and the whole yeah, we get the Christmas card. Yeah, exactly. Merry Christmas from the cast of. <sighs> Look on Feely's face. <laughs> There's always one in the family picture, you know. Like, I, I don't. Know, what is Thorin doing? He looks really shifty. It almost looks like he's got pointed ears. Yeah, it does. And then 
Bard looks to Galadriel's just sort of vaguely amused by the whole thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is... I feel like such a shut. Legolas looks like every other photo of Legolas we've ever seen. I know, it's true. Okay, feeling Keely at the moment. That's the contract in the background. Yeah. Yeah. This is an image of people who are going to die. Right. Except except not Feely. Okay, Elrond Ooh, looking angry. I got a sword and I know how to use it. Yeah, it would be even better if 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 he were doing that patented one eyebrow lift thing. That uh, that you know yeah. that would be that would be really cool. But what is that in the background? Oh, is that yeah? What is the random burlap sack in the background? I don't understand that. <laughs> That's really strange. It's very strange. Can I, is, are, am I missing something? Like, can anyone else understand what the heck that thing is? I mean, why would you include a random piece of burlap? Like, it's got to be a thing, but... Yeah. And is it, I mean, at first maybe I thought it was Gandalf's robe. Doesn't this, these lines back here, don't they look like an uncomfortably close, uh, an, close, an uncomfortably super close-up of the scars on Azog's body? Yes, yes. That they do, actually. What's down below? It's just like moonscape. Yeah, which is like dull gold or generally, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Some That's kind of dull gold durian plateau. Yeah, I don't know what that burlap bag is. It's really strange. It, I, it looks like it's on a tree because isn't that thing right at the edge? Oh, wait. A little branch. It's thing? somebody's arm. That's a hand holding something. So this is somebody's arm. Radagast or Gandalf's oh. maybe. Right? So what is that on the right side, then? It looks like a little... It's, <laughs> it's like Kate Neville says it's the remains of Radagast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Kevin said he thinks that these are cropped images from the calendar. Um, so, you know, it's... I mean, uh, undoubtedly, it's part of a bigger image. I mean, I, I can't imagine <laughs> that somebody was laying out this as a single yeah, image. right, because you can see the staple through his nose. Yeah, the cent- the centerfold through through his exactly nose. right yeah I, mean, I I can't imagine somebody somebody's like okay this this picture still needs something I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking a, like a saggy burlap bag in the background can, can, can we oh perfect perfect yeah that's great that's great um, yeah I think I think it is I think it is it's got to be Gandalf sleeve so we pro- this is probably part of a larger like White Council at Dogold or um, you know yeah. montage there. Okay, um, in battle mode, that's a really strange picture. I don't care. All I ever see are eyebrows. Yeah, that's exactly. Oh, that's a really a quiet cool moment juxtaposition. With me and my bow. Yeah, it is a cool juxtaposition, actually. It, this is this is interesting because it we don't see the black arrow. No. Yeah. We never see the black arrow in any of these pictures. Uh, man. I hope they didn't go out of their way to invent an entirely new weapon. Well, it's not not new in concept, but new to the yeah. book. And introduce, like, oh, actually the Black Arrow are these metal shafts that get fired from this windless thing. And then it turns out, nah, we changed our minds. Bard's just going to kill myself. <laughs> what is that behind the dragon? Is, it looks like Did a compass do rose, doesn't it? What is that? Yeah, it, uh, it does look yeah. like a compass rose. I don't know. Huh. And this over here is... Dale, I guess. I guess it was Dale. And then what's that writing down by his elbow? I'm pointing with my right. with my mouse, like you're going to see me. I don't know. 
something presentation. That's what it looks like. <laughs> no, or representative. 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 Yeah, so it's it's yeah. Bobo's contract again. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Kevin was just saying the same Which thing. Which is an odd thing to put into this particular picture. Yes, I think it's just, I think it's, they just wanted, they just wanted fancy text in the background. You're right, they're making a collage. Okay, um, there we go. dwarves, uh. Oh my god, poor Beaufort, look at the, look at the circles under his eyes. Good heavens, poor guy. Uh, yeah, but he really needs a nap. Too many nights drinking. Um, um Nora looks pretty serious, though. I mean, as serious as anybody with that hairdo can loft. look. Yeah. Oh, now that he just looks. Silly. Yeah, that really does look silly. He just looks silly. The crown—it's the little horny things on the crown. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. work. If this really is what from is the calendar, angle? I'm not buying it. <laughs> I don't like it. It looks really dumb. Uh. Yeah. That's for that's for a bigger picture yeah. too. So the fur in the background, what do we think? Gandalf's oh, beard. So hair, probably. Yeah. Presumably. Yeah. Right, and that's, yeah, you see the them connected, right? The down here is the top of this picture here. Oh, so you yeah, see Thranduil yeah. up here. Yeah. Oh, you can see his hand. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, at least they have the size. Hey, look, here. look. No different detachment. Oh, he's, back. he's got his hand. Uh, See, I bet oh, that's be hilarious! Be. But if they just like, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah I think memories. I think that's a I think that's an Azog from a from 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 an earlier film just photoshopped in here. Yeah, so because he doesn't have any of his armor. True. Like this is this is not Azog who got his promotion. In fact, this image looks photoshopped up photoshopped up the wazoo. Yeah. Well, like. Like the 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 background sky. Wait, what the heck is that thing in the upper right hand oh, corner? Oh, that's that's Thranduil's hand. See, it's part of the same picture here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. So yes, that confirms it is Photoshop. Absolutely. Ones. Yeah. Um. But I, I I I take this though as like clearly demonstrable testimony that this precise scene is going to occur in the film, of Thorin looking yeah. just like that charging at Azai looking just like that. Um, yeah, and Thorin's uh, not in his, in his his gear either. So this is obviously authoritative. He have a yeah. Shield, but, uh, obviously authoritative. Okay, oh, we got some Iron Hill dwarves. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. This is gonna be. This can't be from Warner Brothers. No. Pseudo-runes like this are really annoying. I mean, go whole, whole hog or don't. Crying out loud. <laughs> no patience with that. <laughs> well, oh, there like, you, you know, Dying, like beggars can't be choosers. At least it doesn't say three. <laughs> you know, I, I respect Lego for saying three or... Well, yeah, I mean, at least they were trying. They screwed it up, yeah, but they were trying. Oh, here's that whole tapestry. The one that uh, Bard gets out. The, the, this is like now, live from the thrift store in Dale, uh, or in, in Esgaroth. Yeah, so what does it say underneath that one raven? Is that, that's not <clears throat> Thror, that's... It says Thrier. <laughs> Thrier. What did you say? The this M is Erebor. The, the, the M is an E, so that's Erebor, yeah. That's right, Erebor. Yeah. Um, and this says Iron Hills. And what's under the boar? Then? Iron Hills. Iron yeah. Hills. Okay. That really does say. Iron yeah. Hills. So you've got Nan and Dan here, right? 
And what's under the RAM over on the right hand side? Uh, Arid. Wethrin. Arid right? Wethrin. Oh, okay. Arid Wethrin. Yeah. It's a good thing we've got somebody that can read runes. Except it's not All Wethrin. That schooling paid it's off, Wethrin. Corey. They've spelled it wrong. Oh, dear. Um, it's okay. That's okay. Um, oh, and look, the crown. That crown is. Uh, doesn't that remind you a little bit of the tree at the top there? The crown with yeah, the stars? Yeah. Well, it's. Although I suppose the stars are supposed to be the Lithuan. Wait, is, is it Lithuan? Oh. Lithuan, yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, that that would make no because there's there isn't a U. There isn't a U. I like this yeah. thing. I do too. I'm not I'm not too thrilled about the inclusion of the um, the Mac OS X dock on it, but other than that, I like it. <laughs> I like the the. Durin, 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 Durin. The family tree of dwarves, you know, can get a little repetitive, but uh, yeah. Um, if they, if they, if they make a, yeah, it a, can be a little hard to to ask somebody about their lineage. Yeah. If they make like a like a mass production, uh, uh, you know, commercialized version of this for us to buy, I I would consider buying this. Yeah. See, they. Uh, I like how they like uh, notice Owen and Glowen's dad. His uh, his 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 name is like squeezed into the side over here. I think they're trying to downplay the fact uh, that his name is Groin, um, <laughs> so they make it hard to read so that you won't make fun of it. It's Groin, of course, not Groin, but you really just can't get away from the fact that Owen and Glowen's dad is named Groin. So they've tried to downplay that as well as they Another can. Another demonstration that Tolkien actually didn't think through. Modern no, no, clearly not like at all. Yeah, clearly not at all. Um, nice that uh, 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 Deese is here. Um, so we get this one female dwarf face in the middle of everything else. Oh, yeah, that's right, the sister. Yeah. 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 Now, so did Thorin have a brother? Is that between she and Thorin? Is that another... Who's that? Uh, uh, Freren, yeah. Um Okay, we can have a spin-off movie. Yeah, exactly. The story okay, of Dees. Anyway, I yeah, know this is cool because they, they only showed bits of it in the film. It's it's interesting to see the yeah. whole thing. So the thing that um, Bard read from is that bit on the top right, correct? Yeah, King. I, I can see King beneath the. Mountain. Yes, this is the this is the verse. Yeah, this is yeah. the the now ominous instead of cheerful prophecy. Um, right. And apparently, these are in backwards order. This makes it look. I mean, if you. Oh, okay. Thorin is oldest, and and Freren and Dees are younger than right. him. Um, right, right, right. But yeah, Freren, Freren is the one who's the the father of Fiwi and Kiwi, who are not appearing on this film. Oh, I thought it was his sister. I thought it was his sister that was the relation. I thought they were his his sister's sons. Is it no? My miss. Um, how is it? How does it? Sister, they're sister sons. I'm having that experience that I have every day. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. No, it's that when he introduces them at Lake Town, he calls them right. 
the sons of my father's daughter. Is that right? Yeah, Frerin was killed at Azinul Bazaar. Okay, that's right. That's right. It's oh, all coming okay. back to me. Okay. I see it's, it's. So he couldn't just say my nephews. No, no, right? no. He doesn't say that. Um, this is cool. What? Where was this, Kevin? Where was this? Yeah. Yeah, Kevin's found lots of cool stuff here. We're running out of time. We should. <laughs> Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. This is Feely and Keeley's mother. What? This who? This. This, okay. And <laughs> this is. What's right, then what's that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, oh, from what as a print? Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Cool. Um, we are running out of time. We thought we would. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we, we have to get Smug the Golden though. Oh, you're the cute dragon. How adorable you're is the that? Cute wait, wait. Dragon. Actually, I I think I can one up the adorable. Uh, 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 this is a dragon that would eat ice cream. Yeah, it is. I, I think I can one up the adorable uh, dragon toy, though. Oh, well, you can. <laughs> <laughs> It's an adorable necromancer toy. Oh my gosh! You know, wow. this makes me think of those cartoons where the the guy becomes really little and he's running around going, yeah. he's like it, kicking you in the leg. You know, it's uh, oh my goodness, oh my it's goodness! It's almost as it's almost as as great, awesome as the the weird glow glow in the dark skeleton version of the necromancer. Yeah, no, I mean this is this right. is clearly this is clearly this is Fellowship cute. of the Ring prologue Sauron, right? He's got his ring. He's wearing his ring. This notice. And yeah, uh, and he's ring. got his helmet, That's except right. with adorable eyes. With adorable eyes, he's so <laughs> cute. Who's a cute? <laughs> oh my! God. Yeah, these are just these are fantastic. Um, these are way better than bobbleheads, oh, you know. Like, right. see now, these I would collect just because they're just so bobbleheads are passe, but these things, boy, yeah, you know. But these things. Okay, so I've changed my mind, Corey. We need a Corey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Final yeah, but this is this. I tell I tell folks I tell Corey we should get a Corey bobblehead. And we would probably wouldn't be able to sell them, but we could probably give them away. I doubt it. Um, anyway, yeah, this is uh, this is these those are those are those are absolutely fantastic. So anyway, yeah, it's on on that erudite note, uh, we should probably. I agree with Kevin. I need these. I definitely oh, yeah. need these. Yeah, we should probably yeah, this is a bummer. So we didn't actually get to do Shadow Yeah, so this is like the fourth episode in a row that we keep saying we're kind of we're planning yeah. to get around to talking about. You know, I lots of people have been asking me about that new game, the Shadow the the, the Shadow of Mordor and and uh I've been not saying much about it because I uh spoiler don't have much good to say about it, but uh but I I want to give it a, a sort of a fair shake and actually talk about it. Well, but maybe we can. You know, we talked the other day about not wanting to go too lengthy on the during the webathon, but maybe we Yeah. Can. Maybe we'll, we'll see. We'll see. If we can squeeze in. But anyway, maybe the, maybe what really needs to happen is um, maybe I need to buy it for my Xbox One and play it. Test it. Then you can be the authority. On yeah. Because I'm definitely not going to. Maybe, maybe I'll rent too. it. That way I don't maybe have to rent, rent it. it. That way I don't have to yeah. contribute money to. Um, um, yeah, I I uh, I'm I don't really have any plans to play it. Um, I don't have time for one thing, but. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not inspired. But um, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll, we definitely will talk about it. I mean, it's 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 a segment that we should do, and um, mm-hmm. um, we'll see. We'll see. But 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 I do want to. Um, 
but not after we string you along for another. Right, exactly. Three yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna still make you wait for a little while because I mean, I've you know, my policy so far has been not to talk about it that much, and I have been posting about it on social media and stuff <clears throat> because I really don't like it. Um, I, I it looks to me kind of awful, and I don't, you know. I don't really feel like I need to make it my business, my business to go around like just bashing things for fun, but people keep asking me and I want to, you know, I, I, I want to do, I want to do justice well, to it. When you and I talked about it at one time, you had some very cogent things to say about it in relation to the lore, in relation yeah. to religion. Yeah. And that's the context you were talking to me about it in. Actually. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's my whole thought, that's my whole thought about it. So we'll, we'll, we'll We'll talk about it. I mean, I, I do want to. I I I don't want to just sort of shoulder it aside and you know ignore all of the um, the you know the questions people have been asking about it. So we'll see. You know, Kim Kim said, and we mentioned it earlier that we're getting our first trailer next Thursday. I know in the past we've jumped on and done emergency uh, episodes when the trailers come out, but I don't think we're going to be doing that this time because we're right the day after the trailer comes out is when we're doing our. Uh, Desolation of Smaug extended edition bit for the Amazon. Right. So right. Um, Besides, we need to like it. husband our material for this year. You That's know, true. Like, That's if true. we just uh, if we just That's... profligately go out and yes. do extra episodes on trailers, <laughs> we're not going to be left with anything to talk about. I mean, if if they That's gave right. us more, we maybe have we dead could... air for like the last two or three episodes. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, no, yeah, we'll, we will save that for the next for the ne- so for the next Riddles in the Dark episode, we should it have a trailer. Weeks. So yeah. that'll be good. Um, but um. But let's talk about, speaking of the Webathon, let's talk a little bit more about the Webathon. So it's coming up this coming Saturday, or a week from Saturday, Saturday, from Saturday the, 8th the 8th of November. November um, and uh, and it's it's going to be, it's going to start at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and go through 10-ish Eastern Time. Um, the final uh, segment, the final two hours, is going to be our Riddles in the Dark discussion of the extended With editions, Laura. right? Yep, the three of us and Laura are going to be... Uh, talking about the uh, the additions to the film, um, we're going to sort of watch it together. We're not going to broadcast it because that's dodgy. Um, yeah, we don't want to we don't want to broadcast copyrighted material or anything. Uh, but anyway, we're, we we yeah. are going to encourage uh, you guys if you have your own copies to sort of get it queued up to particular scenes. I and, think aren't we going to try? We're going to I think attempt to pre-release the minute. Uh, yeah, works. yeah, yeah. We're we gonna, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. we're gonna release a list of the scenes that you can kind of get things queued up to, so that you can, so you can watch prepare, along yeah. and uh, and and see on your screen what we're looking at. So, but anyway, it it that that should be a lot of fun. I feel that last year, because again, last year we got lots of stuff. You know, we had lots of promotional things to discuss with the Desolation of Smaug. Plus, we were still trying to do riddles and everything at the end of the year. So we really kind of gave short shrift to the extended edition last year. We never really did what I thought was a fully satisfying episode on the extended edition. Right. Um, so <clears throat> I'm really glad that we're going to get to do that. Earlier on in the webathon, the, the, the previous three hours of the webathon before we get to the riddles in the dark, uh, in the first hour, as Trish has mentioned, I'm going to be uh, coming on um, with Curtis Wayant and uh, Catherine Sass, um, the uh, the hosts of the uh, Kurt and Cat um, TV review uh, podcast. Um, and where they've been talking a lot about Doctor Who, and so I'm going to be talking with them about. I have recently started watching Doctor Who, the 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 new Who, um, and uh, so any Whovians out there, I definitely plan on 
you know, attending this hour because it's bound to be. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm really, I've, I've been very much enjoying Doctor Who. I've never watched Doctor Who in my entire life, so I'm brand new to it as of like the last month. Um, so, uh, so I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to, uh, discussing Dr. Who with, uh, with some, uh, comparative experts. I know East Cat is, is an expert, um, in Dr. Who. So that should be fun. Um, in the hour after that, which one comes next, Trish? The, the Inklings. Inklings one, right. So Ed Powell is going to be talking to Serena Higgins about yes. the Inklings. And, and it's, she's got some really like, not as, not kind of the stuff not everybody knows about the Inklings. So that should be kind of yeah. Interesting. There's so much. There's so much. That, you know, uh, with with so many people, it seems like you know the the idea of the Inklings is is sort of out there. You know, and people people know about it, but I mean, people are generally they think of like, um, you know, if if you were to make a a, a, a like a visual like photo collage of the Inklings to represent, you know. Kind of like those um, those like word cloud images, like that show you how often you use particular words, right? If you did like a photo cloud of the Inklings in in as a representation of like modern people's minds, it would be like Tolkien would fill about eighty percent of the picture, Lewis would fill nineteen percent of the rest of the picture, and then like the rest of the one percent would be almost microscopic images of Charles Williams and and Owen Barfield, um, and then the rest of them wouldn't even appear at all. Um, Right. And that's of course uh, uh, not quite fair, um, but um, uh, so anyway, uh, uh, Serena is is uh, you know she's really wonderful on not only on Tolkien but on on Lewis and of course especially on Charles Williams, um, who is uh, the Inkling who is the subject uh, of her blog, the Oddest Inkling. Um, so it's you know should be a really great opportunity for people to learn more about uh, sort of about the inklings as a whole and about about the rest of them to really kind of understand more about what this this group was um so even for people who are just primarily tolkien fans i think it will be it, it, it'll be it'll be really interesting to sort of get more on that then in the third hour um serena serena is going to stay on <clears throat> she has challenged me to a debate so we're going to debate about the Hobbit movies, um, uh, and she's going to be challenging uh, my interpretation, my flattering interpretation of the Hobbit movies. Of course, I've spent a lot of time, uh, and nobody knows better than the long-suffering listeners of Riddles in the Dark how much time <laughs> I have spent, uh, you know, sort of giving uh, the, the the movies the benefit of the doubt and sort of talking about what I think are you know the really interesting points of adaptation and everything in the film. Um, uh, Serena is, uh, is is Serena hates the movies, and she is challenging me on that, and is going to uh, so has challenged me to a debate and 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 dared me to defend uh, uh, the movies against her. So that's what we'll be doing in the third hour, the great Hobbit movie debate. Um, and I know that you know one of the things that we're going to end up doing also is is really sort of thinking more, you know, the two of us thinking more. <clears throat> about many of the, the the questions of adaptation that we've been raising, you know, here and there, um, as we've been looking at particular elements of the Hobbit films, and I know that this is going to get, you know, uh, one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is getting the chance to kind of back up a little bit, thinking about these films as a whole, um, and therefore kind of uh, uh, sort of thinking through slightly more broadly um, the, the the kinds of questions of of interpretation and adaptation that have arisen during our Riddles in the Dark discussion so far. So 
that's going to... By the way, Laura Burkholz is moderating yes. that, so she'll make sure there's no name-calling. <laughs> that's right. You yeah. know, that it doesn't get ugly. Yeah, I, I, I hope, so. you know, uh, you know, Laura, you'll have, like, a yellow card, you know, that you can you can, you can can bring out, you know, if things start to get ugly uh, in that debate. So, uh, uh, anyway, so... Um, so that's going to be the third hour, and then we'll do the Riddles in the Dark uh, uh, special episode with the extended edition. So that's what's going to happen in our uh, in our Mythgard Academy webathon. It is the um, the the conclusion of our Mythgard Academy fundraising campaign, which has been just phenomenally successful so far. We are just about to cross over thirty thousand dollars total raised. Um, which is really just remarkable, and I'm I'm really excited about the kinds of stuff that we're going to be able to do. We've we've definitely um, we've definitely continued the um, uh, you know we're 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 clearly able to continue the Mythgard Academy courses for another year, um, and we're now working on sort of you know being freed up to do new special projects that I hadn't thought we'd be able to get to for several years. Um, so I'm really excited about that. We'll talk a little bit more about those kinds of things. Um, later I don't on, expect but. that we're going to archive the whole thing as a continuous webathon. We may be publishing excerpts right. from it. Yeah. But just like last year, I mean, the point is, you know, attend the webathon. I mean, you know, it's, it's for the benefit of those able to attend. Yeah. But the Riddles in the Dark will be a Riddles in the Dark episode. Yes, we will sure. definitely be And the other pieces that. may be, you know, pieces of the rest of it may be uh, released from time to time. Yeah, yeah. But it is going to be, it is going to be primarily a live event. So, yeah. Um, and the other event that is coming up um, that I wanted to make sure to announce is the beginning of our next Mythgard Academy class. Um, the class on Watership Down, which I am so excited about. Um, been waiting to do Watership Down for a really long time. And uh, uh, we're starting the Watership Down class this coming Wednesday. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, what is it, the 5th, I think? Uh, November, November 5th. 5th, yeah. yeah. Um, so I am, uh, I am really, we're, we're so going to be doing the first half of book one of Watership Down, uh, the first 11, I think, chapters of Watership Down for, uh, for this coming Wednesday. Um, and I want to make a general plea. Um, anyone who has seen the Watership Down cartoon movie and not read the book, please don't judge the book by the movie. I actually, I, you know, it, it, it'd be interesting, um, the, the Watership Down film, actually, I think is a really fascinating uh, kind of thing. I'm, 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 I'm probably going to add an extra... I might add a bonus uh, week onto the end of that class to talk about the film because um, I, I, it's, it's to me a really interesting thing. It's not a film which wildly violates the plot of the story. It's comparatively faithful to the story of the book. And yet they manage, in my opinion, to entirely wreck the spirit of that story. Um, the fact that people emerge from that film thinking that Watership Down is dark, terrifying, and depressing um, is just abominable, um, the way that that film manages to accomplish that. And yet, while being, in superficial ways, relatively faithful... Um, to the story as it's published in the book. So um, I will be very interested to... I, th so I, th I think that that adaptation is dreadful, and I will be very interested to have a discussion at the end um, where we talk about wherein its badness consists, because um, 
I think it's a really fa- it's a really fascinating kind of test case uh, for adaptation stuff. So anyway, but Watership Down starting uh, uh, starting this coming week. The, um, so again, Wednesday uh, at nine thirty p.m. same time that uh, we've been the same day and time as in the Dune class. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep going with that. And those are the main things going on right now. Yep. 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 Okay, so thanks everybody for being with us, and we look forward to uh, getting back with you in another two weeks. As we'll have a trailer uh, coming on there, and who knows, maybe um, there will be an even more implausible, uh, adorable little doll of the Witch King that we can look at for next time. <laughs> so we can always we can always look for or, or yeah, Bulgar Azog. Yeah, uh, they they totally yeah. deserve this kind of treatment. I think. Um, anyway. Thanks for listening, everybody, and Godspeed.